Hey guys, what's up? Trey Beck here at Trey Wolf. Welcome back to an episode of the True Blue Show. I am here today where it is June 4th. We are about a week or less away from the transfer window opening. We're also about a week or a little more away from the Premier League ending. So it is probably a good starting point to start talking about our season in review show so we can go ahead and today discuss about how we felt Chelsea did this season. It is an understatement to say this was a chaotic season. We had so many things happen from still dealing with COVID, injuries, and obviously the takeover. So there's a lot to uh, a lot to talk about today. Today's episode, we're going to go ahead and be giving you basically our player ratings and just the performances and a little commentary, whether we think we should keep or sell or even maybe loan some players on our roster. So today we're going to be going over that, basically the club, Tuchel, and then the players, and just giving you our thoughts and ratings on them. And today I'm joined by two good friends of mine um, that I know through Chelsea FT, um, Jude and Lache. Jude, how are you doing today, bud? Yeah, thanks for having me on again. Uh, it's really good last time, so hopefully today's the same. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing good, thank you. Yeah, now that the season's over, I'm relaxed a little bit after the stressful end, but yeah, no, I'm good. Thanks. Are you missing it already, or are you are you ready for like the next season to happen, or do you need a break? Um, I'm glad there is a break because um, definitely uh, took my toll on me in the last last few months of that season. But yeah, no, I can't wait to get back to it next year. No, oh, fair enough. Lashay, how you doing, bud? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Um, I think I echo a lot of things that you just said um yeah just really enjoying the break from the premier league uh it's been a chaotic season like you said and yeah just need to take a breather and gather myself for for, for next season um there are a lot of things i wish wouldn't repeat itself next season so yeah just gathering myself i'd say but yeah i'm good and thanks for having me on as well no problem hopefully have you on a couple more times after this and yeah, let's go ahead and get going. So, boys, let's go. Like you heard me talking in the intro, we're going to talk about basically the players, the club, Matuical, and what we think went well, what we think went wrong this season. And there's going to be a lot of talk about context. There's a lot, a lot of context that we have to take into consideration. Things aren't very black and white here in terms of what happened to the club this season. There's a lot of gray area. So, hopefully, we're going to have a pretty nice level headed conversation. I know y'all are all. Uh, very sensible people and I always enjoy talking with y'all. So let's go ahead and get talking about it. So in review um, and feel free to always uh, correct me or inject if I get something wrong, because one of my worst qualities is I have a terrible memory. So I always struggle to remember certain things, but if I remember correctly today, um, this season's honors include the super cup, the club world cup. Um, and we were finalists in the FA Cup and the Carabao Cup, but sadly fell short of that. And we came third in the Premier League. And we also was we were quarter finalist. Is that I believe we're quarter finalists in the Champions League? Correct. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. So we made two finals. So we made four finals technically, and we finished only in two. Now, uh, granted the. The Super Cup was a one-off, like a one-off game. The Club World Cup, we only had two games, but uh, we battled through Carabao and FA Cup all the way to the end and were snuffed by Liverpool in what were both nil-nil penalty shootouts, correct? Uh, yeah, they were, yeah. All right, so let's get started with the first one. 
the basically just Chelsea, the whole performance of everyone, everything in consideration, how we basically met our goals, how we uh, rank our success. Granted, given all of the competitions we have been in, um, I will go ahead and give mine last out of all these. Jude, you can always go ahead and give yours first and then Lache and then Lache, as soon as you're done, I will go ahead and give uh, my rating. So Jude, given everything that has happened this season and how we have performed in our cups and the league on a scale of one to 10, what do you feel Chelsea deserve as a rating? Um, I'm going to give, I'm edging between a 7.5 and an eight only because if we won the two cup finals on the penalties, then suddenly we would have had four trophies at the end of the season. It would have been amazing, but um, yeah, no, we've only, we only got the two. So I feel like 7.5 is probably better for what we have. But again, if you take into context of what's happened to us this season and the expectations we had before us coming into it, because well, I'm not going to lie, I thought we would, we would win the league or at least be more competitive than what we were this year. But with all the injuries, COVID, sanctions and whatnot, you know, on for a while of everything and Lukaku. But yeah, no, I, I think a 7.5 is a, a fair score. Okay. All right. I'll take that. Lashay, how about you, bud? Right. So um, I, I'll give it a seven. So um, I think it was a bit higher than that um, around January. Um, and I'm also taking into account uh, everything that's happened, you know, the chaos off the pitch, uh, having to look for new owners mid-season and, you know, I'll say seven because... Um, yeah, we, we did well in the competitions that we were in. Even the Champions League quarterfinal exit, we, I'm sure a lot of Chelsea fans would have felt like, yeah, we pretty much, you know, I don't want to say bottled, but we we kind of shot ourselves in the foot with that one because we had um, every, you know, opportunity to actually uh, beat Madrid. Um, but the thing that makes me drop the, uh, the mark from a 7.5 to a 7 is towards the running it felt like we were sort of like self-sabotaging at some point and at some point in the season I wasn't even sure if we would be able to get top four on our own um but I mean we, we did that in the end so yeah but I, I think we just faltered a little bit and I understand the whole uh, ownership thing was around that period as well but the, the you know the Arsenal game comes to mind uh, I just didn't think we needed to, you know, lose certain games uh, that we did, the Everton, Everton game as well. So, yeah, that's that's why I'll, I'll give it a seven. But, you know, putting everything into context, um, you know, I, I don't think we could have asked, you know, much more from this team than they gave us this season. But, yeah, I, I would say it for a seven. No, I definitely – okay, so I'll say this. Jude got the same rating that I did. I I gave it a 7.5, but Lache brought up a more good points that I wanted to touch on that um why also I could say I maybe gave a little too high, but um or the team might deserve a little lower because like you talked about the very end of the season we started to drop points, we started to get poor form, bad results that really we really should have locked up top four very quick. It was a very ongoing conversation throughout the season. Um, do you think 
are you afraid we will drop out of top four? My answer was always no. I always was confident that we would finish top four. And it was going to be around the end of April, beginning of May, that I thought we would have locked it up. And But no, basically, it went down to the wire. And I believe we locked it up in the second to last week of the season against Leicester. Um, so the Watford game, we didn't have as much writing on it, if anything. Now, and, and I want to go ahead and we're just going to recap a couple of the results that Lashley, um kind of aforementioned um, where we kind of just showed some really bad form and we really just, it, it was on, and I, it's just a mixture of on Tuchel and on the players because they're the ones involved in the game. They're the ones controlling it. So they're the ones who really affect the results, but granted I believe around March is when we started facing the sanctions and the takeover began. So there is context to say there was a lot of background stuff going on. Um, I think it was around middle of March. Does that sound right to y'all? It was around middle of March all this started to go down? Yeah, it was around that sort of yeah. time where the whole situation started, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead. I'm going to start from the beginning of April because this is when things started to kind of go wrong. 4-1 um, loss to Brentford. Now, Brentford have overperformed, I think, this season because um, first season back in the Premier League. And uh, I believe we beat – did we beat them or did we tie the very beginning of this season? I have the results. It, right was, a na- it was a narrow 1-0 one, one win. Um, yeah. It, 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 yeah. Because that was the game that Mendy had w- one of his best performances of the season, correct? And Malong saw yeah. actually like also just had a phenomenal game. Yeah, correct. One nil back in October. Now we fast forward to the beginning of April and we lose four one at home to Brentford. Now that was embarrassing, but I think some people wanted to call it just a blip. But then you see us go back, and about four days later, we welcome Real Madrid to the bridge, and we just looked pitiful. It was bad. It was really bad. Real Madrid beat us 3-1, and there were some mistakes caused in that game that really just led to the um, away leg not being able to be enough, despite having a 3-2 win against Real Madrid. But it was an incredible game, and it looked like we were going to pull it off, but we lost on aggregate 5-4, barely, only six days later in Madrid. And... I would say I wouldn't count that one as a bad performance, but at the same time, we let it slip. It, there was just moments in that game that caused us to be knocked out of the Champions League, and there was just many more in the first leg that really we shouldn't have let them go. Now, Real Madrid, obviously, Champions League winners. It seemed like they, it was destined for them this season. Benzema has been one of the, mo- the best players in the world right now, and he's been on a mission, and he showed it against us. So it's no surprise that they beat us, but at the same time, we really did not look like we were the reigning champs. Now, between the two legs, you've got a, a just a nice 6-0 win against Southampton, which you almost would cause you would call the blip in what felt like our end of season form. But now go, going past after the Champions League exit, we in the FA Cup semifinals had a nice actually, if I remember correctly, this 2-0 win against Crystal Palace. It wasn't an easy win, was it? Like, is that scoreline pretty much like not given accurate reflection of how the game was? Wasn't it a very tight game most of the game, and we we barely um took it away from them? 
Um, I think it was tight, but I think we did deserve to win. And I think probably the scoreline does reflect how the two teams played, I would, I would say. Okay. Yeah, that... I agree with that. It was, a, it was a much better performance than the first game where we actually won 1-0. Okay, good. So, like I said... Oh, no, sorry. No, that wasn't, that wasn't the Crystal Palace game, was it? We won that three... Are you, are you talking about the one that was the Brentford that we were just talking about? Oh, no, no, no. So, the one... Sorry, the one nil was the... Um, what's that game that Ziyech caught the winning goal at the far post? Was that, was that Crystal Palace? I don't think it was. Uh... But, yeah, it, it, was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was... It was a tight game, but we deserved to win, I think, like um, Chuk said. Charcy, okay, uh, February 19th, 1-0 win against Crystal Palace. That could have been the one that you're talking about. Was it the one? Yeah, so I remember there was a very tight game where ZS just won it in the end on the far post. Uh, yeah, it must have been that one. That was, was very tight. Was that, was that the one that he kind of like, it looked like he wanted to curl, but it kind of just knuckled down and went bottom left? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no. Okay, so yeah. So maybe the FA Cup final was a, a semifinal was a bit of a better result against Crystal Palace. So we got yes, that one and we were able to get to the final. Now, a 4-2 loss to Arsenal at home was just awful. Awful. It, that, that one is worse to me than the Brentford one because, one, it was Arsenal. It's London rivals. They came to us and they had been in good form, I think, at the time. No, no, they had been in bad form. I don't think they had won. Uh, like three or four games before this, if I remember correctly, and we we let them just walk all over us. And given the form that we were in, we just we had a huge game against Real Madrid. We lost, but we had a huge game against them. A six 0 win against Southampton, two 0 win in the semifinals, and then we let Arsenal just come to the bridge and just walk all over us four two. So a few few days later, we have another home game, uh, Chelsea versus West Ham. We get a one nil win against them. So we're able to scrape that one off. Obviously West Ham have been a, a very formidable team the whole year. So we were good to get that one. And then we go to old Trafford against one of the worst performing Manchester United teams we've seen in recent history and an ugly one nil draw that we should have won. We should have taken points from them. And then it gets worse. We go to relegation bound Everton and so many people made memes on the timeline before this game saying Frank Lampard is going to somehow take points away from Chelsea and he's going to find a way to turn it around for Everton. And this is exactly the way the narrative went. Exactly the way. They, they took it all over for us and we were absolutely horrible at Goodison Park. I remember the fans, the fans at Goodison were nuts. They were going crazy for them. And Everton scrape a one nil win and then go on to save themselves from relegation for the rest of the season. Following that, Chelsea back at home, two all draw against Wolves, which I believe, if I remember correctly, we were dominating that game for the most part. We were doing great. And then all of a sudden, we got caught on the counter once or maybe twice. I know the first time I think we did. And we just let two goals in. In what was it a couple of minutes that we let them in together? It was yeah, both the first goal was in like the 80 odd minute, I think. And then the last 79th one was, minute. And then yeah, yeah, okay. So we were going to win at the last second, 90th, 97th, 97th minute. We concede a header, I believe, to Connor Cody. That and I believe if we had won that one, 
we might have locked it up at that point. We might have. Or we might have locked up top four. I don't know if we would have locked up third, at least. But all I know is that was one of those typical Chelsea, like, just boneheaded things. The very last minute, you let a point escape. You let two points escape. And when we walk away with that, and Wolves are, were not a team who had been in great form. They were not a team who, like, overperformed. They finished, I believe, 10th or 9th this season. So a couple of days later, we go to Ellen Road. A 3-0 win against Leeds it was a great game. Obviously, we saw Dan James get sent off for a horrific tackle against Kovacic. Um, but we were able to get the win like we should have then. And then we come to FA Cup final. A hard, hard-fought game that goes down to penalties again. Now, granted, at least it did not go all the way to keepers. At least it didn't go all the way to keepers, because I swear to God, if we had to watch another penalty shootout go down to our keepers designing it, which I've only seen once before. The only other time I've seen that was a Europa League final, Manchester United against uh, Villarreal, I believe. Villarreal won. That, I, I, the, the, yeah, the Carabao Cup one was bad enough. Have, having to see Kepo go all the way down, and granted, it's not his forte, so I'm not going to knock him for it, but yeah, it was bad. But the penalties, we had some bad misses. We had some that were very, very tossed around the timeline. A lot of abuse go. So you see us capitulate, and we lose the FA Cup final for the third year running against Liverpool, who have taken two trophies from us in one season. To final to end the season at this point, I think everyone's just demoralized. Top four isn't even locked up, and I think we're getting to the point. Everyone's getting a little scared. Arsenal and Tottenham right on our tails, and we're thinking, is there a chance we bottle this? But we scraped together a one nil, or sorry, one all draw against Leicester at Stamford Bridge, which is still just a draw. We we were able to get it uh, across the finish line to the top four, but at the same point Leicester City not a very good side this year they like they did not do they've kind of just slowly regressed over the past few years granted last uh last year they did win the FA Cup final over us but wouldn't y'all agree that Leicester kind of are just not the team anymore that you used to fear a lot yeah for some I don't not sure why but I think with players like Vardy getting older and I know Harvey Barnes has had a few injuries this year I just feel like it's not been their season yeah, and I think Vardy was out for a while as well, which kind of affected um, this, you know, strike partnership that, you know, they had with, I think it was um, Ihenacho and uh, Vardy being the and two Daka. guys. Pats and Daka yeah, so da- yeah, Daka had to come in and, you know, I don't think the chemistry was quite there with um, the rest of the team. So, yeah, that, that made them struggle as well. Yeah, so a one-all one draw. At Stamford Bridge, again, a poor result at home, which I think is one of the main points they have to figure out next year. And maybe maybe the uh, the atmosphere played a big factor because we knew that um, the club could not sell tickets regularly. I believe only season ticket holders were allowed at the bridge for the past, maybe it was two months. It might have been since April. Um, is, wasn't that correct? Is it only season ticket holders? Um, and like um, executives were able to get into the game, yeah. Anyway, since the sanctions, yeah, yeah. So maybe next year that that's not going to be a factor anymore. Um, so 
the atmosphere should be better. But I think even before the sanctions even happened, Stanford Bridge was not a fortress for us this year, wouldn't y'all say? Yeah, no, I've, I've been quite regularly this year. And even before the sanctions, the atmosphere wasn't um, amazing. Uh, I've noticed it was better before the lockdown. So I don't know whether it's more, more people going out and doing more since that. But um, yeah, the atmosphere does, does need to improve somehow. So, and then we get down to the final week. Top four is locked up. And it's a 2-1 win against Watford um, at the bridge. Now, granted, this one didn't have a lot um, on the line, uh, so we can't really talk too much about it. But there's a lot of bad results near the end of the season, like Alasha pointed out, which is why I think a 7-7.5, to it is pretty accurate. Now, we secured the two trophies. I wouldn't say we wanted the most, but I would say is were very important for sentimental reasons. The Super Cup that we have been missing out on, the Club World Cup, which we have been lacking, we added those both, but we still should have finished stronger um, in both our club um, or cup finals. Um, I I'm not the Champions League um, getting knocked out by Real Madrid. I'm not going to overanalyze men because they were the winners, um, and I think there's always a little less pain when the team that knocks you out wins it all because you're like, yeah, I mean, it was their year that they were going to do it. But um, the league, the league, we talk about challenging for the title, but at this point we're still fighting to even be a guaranteed top four side. And we're, and over the summer, something's going to happen. The need that bully is going to come in and he needs to make an impact. Something that says we are not a third place team anymore. We are now going to be title contenders or we are going to be comfortably, comfortably secured um, in top four, maybe by February, because I think for Liverpool and Manchester City, they had pulled away from everybody um, to a certain point. I think maybe by February that they, I mean, their fans probably never were frightened by it, but I mean, mathematically speaking, it just, it's not going to happen. And I think I've always said this, that if you're going to be a title contending team, the one thing, you have to make sure you do is always collect all three points against any opposition that is totally like, like with all due respect to the other teams are an inferior team to yours. Leicester city wolves, Everton, all of these Brentford, you cannot drop any points against these teams in particular, if you're going to basically finish out on top. And that's what Man City and Liverpool do. They don't drop points against any lower teams. The teams that take points away from them, it's normally us or each other. Um, amongst those three, it's all of us taking points off of each other. And that's how you make a title race like this always happen. But that's the one thing Chelsea have been bad at for the past few years is that they always, and when we call it Charity FC, I thought Charity FC died when Tuchel came in. And it felt like that for a long time. But... I don't know. Somebody did some black magic and it came back at the end of the season and it better, it better get buried over this summer because it, I look at this team and I don't say they should hands down win the league next year. Should they compete for it? Definitely. With a couple more signings, I definitely think we can compete. I wouldn't say we have to, I would definitely say we are worthy of winning FA cup, Carabao cup um, and probably getting at least semifinals in the champions league. But I wouldn't say we have to win 
the league next year. I would give it, I'd say in two years, in two years time, we have to win the league, but yeah. The one thing Chelsea has to make sure they do next summer, stop. Don't you were almost did it. You almost did a whole season without charity FC, but it, no December is the worst time. And then the end of the season, that is the worst two worst times for Chelsea. It feels like, would y'all agree? Yeah, I would agree. I think it was Joe Tweedy that says you don't win the league in December, you lose it. And I think that's really the case this year with Chelsea. And like you can go on with many reasons, like injuries, COVID, and then later on, Lukaku did his interview and it just felt like the whole squad's cohesion and chemistry was down the pot. But yeah, I feel like if you want to get up to the 90, 91, 93 points, whatever Man City and Liverpool get in, you need to be solid all year round. And we are not that. Yeah, great. Um, December was was indeed a dark period for us, to be honest. Um, and the crazy thing is, it, it wasn't even, it, it felt like we lost games in December, but we didn't even lose that many games. We just had a lot of draws. And that essentially took us away from the conversation of, you know, title contenders to, okay, maybe third. And then March came and <laughs> third was looking a bit shaky as well. So yeah, December definitely knocked us off our perch. And I'm really interested to see what happens next season, just because we're, I think as long as my lifetime that I can remember, I don't know of a world cup that has been played in the winter, um, fall slash winter um, being in November. And obviously it's in because of Qatar. So it's, um, they need cooler conditions or else in the summer, it would be just ridiculous. Um, and it's going to interrupt the season. It's going to put a really weird flow to it. I believe second or third week of November is when it starts and it will go through and end second week of December, I believe. Now, half of December gone, maybe that's half of the less results that we drop. Maybe, maybe that's one way to look at it. But one thing is for certain, this team has to be able to find a rhythm and a rhythm that doesn't stop whenever things like a international window, a world cup just come into play. And then it basically just shakes everything up. I want, I want Tuchel to work with the boys this season, this off season. I want Bowley to come in, bring some people. And I want these attitudes to change and be like, okay, we're taking a break. We're doing something else. We're doing, we're going to go play for our nations. We're going to come back and we're hitting the ground running. There's we're not, we're not going to have to get things started. We're not going to have to warm up. We're hitting the ground running just like we did when we finished. That is what I want to see for next season. And I think, I think the club could, uh, could finish like a nine. I think a nine would be uh, getting one to two trophies, which I'll, I'll say this to stop talking about the club and we'll transition to Tuchel. Would you say that if we had gotten the Carabao cup and the FA cup over Liverpool or even one of them, maybe we would say, Say if you agree with me with this. If we had gotten the Carabao Cup at least, it would have been a 7.5 to 8. And if we would have got the FA Cup, maybe would have called it an 8.5 to 9. Would you all agree on that? Yeah, I agree. Because at the end of the day, it's a penalty, isn't it? All it is is a one or two kicks, and you, you want it. And it's the margins that count, really, in these sort of moments. But, yeah, it's just end of the day we didn't, unfortunately. But... Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely agree. If you actually get the trophy, it goes up. 
Yeah, I agree. If, if we had gotten the two domestic cups, I would have given it a solid nine. Um, and, you know, if you factor in everything that happened in the season as well, to have that many trophies at the end of the season, it, it would have been amazing. So um, uh, the only reason I wouldn't give it a 10 is because we didn't win the league. Um, but yeah, those two cups, definitely a nine for me. It, it would have been. Okay, now let me ask this last one. If we had lost still both cups, but in the Premier League, we had finished so comfortably uh, in third place that we were maybe, uh, call it like single digit points behind Liverpool, single digit points, maybe six or seven. Would you have called it at least an eight season? Um, oh, I'm torn here because at the end of the day, if you finish third, 10 points or nine points, whatever behind them, or 20 points behind it, still finishing third. But yeah, I would give it a, maybe a 0.5 up on what I gave it before. Yeah. Yeah, same, same here. It would have gone back to 7.5, which was my uh, initial rating earlier in the season. Um, I only took away the 0.5 because we struggled in March. Uh, if we didn't struggle in March, I think we would have finished a lot closer to, to the top two. And that for me, that, that, would, have been a, that would have been a 7.5. Okay. All right. So let's transition into talking about Tuchel. Um, so I think you can kind of look at Tuchel and kind of maybe probably give him a similar rating to whatever you gave Chelsea um, as a whole, because um, he really does create a lot of more overall influence on how things go. It's not so much like the players, how you can single all these different players out, things they did, things they didn't do, um, drama they caused and affect their rating. So, um, Jude, I want to give you, give me your thoughts on Tuchel for the season and a rating. Yeah, no, I've been quite impressed with him and how he's handled all the stuff going off in the club as well. And I always watch the press conferences and he always handles questions very well. Um, I think dealing with everything to go on with Lukaku and everything as well obviously doesn't help the sanctions. But there's been a few things, I think, with substitutions. I think at times he left it late and maybe been the wrong players coming on and off. But yeah, I think an eight and a half, I'll give too cool. Because I think overall, I've been very happy and with him. And he's obviously the right man to be here. But yeah, there's a few little things maybe with experimenting the back four at times. And yeah. Eight and a half. Um, I'd go with, with an eight. And the reason, I mean, he handled the whole uh, saga, you know, really well. Um, the Lukaku one and the fact that he was the only one that had to answer for uh, the sanctions, questions about Roman. Um, and I think the first few games we played or the first two games that we played when the announcement came that we were sanctioned, I don't think we played badly. So obviously he did a lot there to keep the morale high. Uh, the team played well, I think. Um, so for that, I think, you know, he did a good job there. But um, yeah, just like Jude said, uh, it's for me, it's, it, it was, it was the, the, the selections were one thing, the way he treated Chalabar. Um, and also just some I don't know he stuck with certain players for for too long if you ask me and you know it got to a point I was asking myself you know is he trying to sabotage the season or something 
that for me is why he's you know I, I'm not giving him an 8.5 like Jude um, gave him but I, I just think towards the end of the season he he was acting a bit weird I want to believe it you know the stress you know of everything that he's been through uh, you know we shouldn't forget that he's had his own personal issues as well this season so um, I want to believe that's why he was acting a bit weird towards the end of the season because he he just wasn't himself, uh, not with the way he made substitutions, the team selections, and certain decisions, you know, with the squad. Um, so yeah, I'll I'll give it, I'll give him an eight um, for this season. Okay, I think that's I think that's fair. I think so. I might try and be a little more critical on this. I am actually going to give Tuchel more of a 7.5 because I am um, I am impressed with how far he got us in the cup competitions um, and how uh, we performed in the majority of them. And I would say that he did everything he could to win us the Carabao and FA Cup final. And it really, it was maybe out of his hands. I would say in the FA Cup final, I don't know if the first five lineup, it, I, I mean, obviously he chooses it. Um, the Ross Barkley now Ross Barkley did obviously make his, um, he Barkley was in the first five, wasn't he in the FA cup final? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so, he was. so the fact that Ross made that, I guess I can't really fault Tuchel for putting him in, but there seems something very off about that lineup of uh, everyone who was taking their kicks, but and obviously, Asby and Mount, who missed their kicks, uh, I normally would have backed them both to make them. Uh, so I guess you could have asked one thing. Should Asby have been in the first five? Because I believe Mount was not in the first five. And Asby, I would say you should put in the first five because I believe, on average, he normally makes all of his kicks. So I don't know if I can fault Tuchel too much for how uh, those last results um, played out, mainly because they were decided by one kick. So, um, but what I will talk about is something I've noticed from Tuchel that I'm not sure if it's a philosophy of his, if it's how he really chooses to control a game, affect a game, but it feels like he is a, a second half coach. It feels like he has a tentative plan for the first half of every game and he's not depending on that plan to be like what controls the entire game and how to finish through with the game. It feels like every game he has half a plan and he's letting it play out and seeing what happens with it. And it always feels like the second half is when Chelsea really came alive. Chelsea would start and um, really show that they're trying into the game. There are very few games I can remember that we took the game in the first half and then the second half maybe wouldn't have mattered because they really would not have been able to come back. Southampton 6-0 is one of the only ones I can remember where we were so dominant and took the game and just said it's over by halftime whistle. And we we're, were and I think that's what Liverpool and City does so well is that they hit the ground running from the first minute and they almost don't give the other team a chance to come back. And I think that's a great strategy to have. And maybe it's shown, maybe it proves that's why they've been so successful. Now, granted, Tuchel has had success with us using the same type of philosophy of basically 
seeing how the team reacts to us and then changing the game up just a little bit, making little adjustments in the second half and then trying to pull through. But my problem is with that. And I'm not a manager. I mean, maybe some people are thinking they're like saying, shut up. You're not Tuchel. You're not a manager. Tuchel gets us all these results. So what, why do you have a reason to speak on it? I'm going to speak on this because I want to be able to, I want to be more like city and Liverpool. I want to be winning the premier league again. I want to be winning as many, um, as many competitions and trophies as possible. And I feel like it is a no brainer saying that if you take a game away in the first half, that a team is so demoralized that they don't actually have the belief in them that they can come back against you in the second half, then, then I think that's an easy route to success. And I think it makes sense. So why not try for it? Because my thing is, Tuchel can be a tactical genius and a mastermind for adjusting a game and being able to pull a win out of the bag. My thing is, if you wait to the second half on average every game, you, for one thing, I think Tuchel sometimes makes the substitutions way too late. I think sometimes on average, they are the 75th minute and past. And sometimes it was needed at halftime. Sometimes it was needed in the 55th, 60th minute. And sometimes it's like, there's not enough time left in the game to make it for those subs to make an impact. And I don't know if it takes him too long to think of a plan, but the thing is, if he has a plan on how to bring this game back, whether we're one down, whether we're level, there is not as much time left in that game than there is. If you had a plan from the very beginning and said, this will work and we're going to take this game and end it now. Now I I want y'all to tell me, do you think I'm saying this wrong or do y'all agree that it feels like Tuchel acts as a second half coach to kind of rely on like getting all these results? Yeah, no, I think you are right. I feel like it, the idea is not to lose the first half so then you can react to what they're doing and then adapt accordingly. Like I remember when we played Leicester and Juventus in the same week in the start of the season, I think we won 3-0 and 4-0 against them. Um, yeah, I think even in the first half, we scored a couple, I think, in the Leicester game and then one or two in the Juventus game. But I feel like this sort of way of playing maybe better suits cup competitions, maybe hence why we did so well in the Champions League last season and we got to the finals of the Carabao Cup and FA Cup this year and the FA Cup last year, which is great, but we haven't challenged for the league since 2017. And there's many reasons behind that with not having a DM, John Terry leaving, blah, 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 whatever. But um, yeah, I feel like it, certain ways and competitions, this, this case, it like works, just not losing and then see what you can get in the second half when space comes. But if you want to win the league, I feel like I do agree with what you said. Try and win that first half and then go from there. Yeah, I think that's spot on as well because if you look at the record that we have this season, um, I don't think we ever went behind at, at halftime. Uh, I think we're the first team to ever do that in the whole Premier League season. And this, it's it's starting to become like a mentality mentality thing for the team. They go into the first into the first half and they just play to stay in it. And I think why that affects our game is even in the second half, when we have a plan, when Tuchel comes up with a plan to say, okay, this is how we're now going to play in the second half, we're already playing against a a team that's very high on confidence. And this is why sometimes you find that even if we score a goal in the second half, the opposition can, you know, equalise 
you know, uh, at any point in the second half because their, their confidence is already high as well. And I think this also ties, you know, um, into us not having a very good home record this season because teams just, you know, they come there and, you know, we should approach the game with such high level of ambition that, you know, we should be knocking, you know, like fair into the opposition. Uh, they should not want to play, you know, the game anymore after 30 minutes, but that's not the case. They, you know, the game is there for anyone to take. And in the second half, we're playing against, you know, a lower position team, but very high on confidence. And they're the most dangerous to play against, especially if you're vying to win the league. So, yeah, he's had it a bit too safe in the first half for me. And, yeah, I think that's affected the way we've um, approached the games uh, or, or the opposition has approached the game as well um, uh, when it comes to Stafford Bridge or even when we're play, playing over at their, at their home ground. Now, I know I'm saying um, the City and Liverpool are very first-half dominant, and um, I don't want to just say this with uh, empty words. Um, in one of these future, I haven't done it before this one. One of these future episodes, I'm going to basically have a deep dive analysis into the difference of City, Liverpool, and us in terms of first half, second half performances, and like a record, almost a win-loss record, um, based on if they've been leading at the half, then. And then basically just see like what a record is. See if there's kind of any actual correlation because that's how I feel it is. But um, yeah, so, and there'll be an episode where we definitely talk a lot more about Tuchel, about any kind of changes. Um, and like I said, that whole second half philosophy, I would like to see it change. Maybe we we talk about the change from the three at the back to a four, um, a flat back four. Um, but that'll be probably a future episode. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into the players. So starting off, we're going to talk about Edward Mendy. So Bendy Mendy had, you could say an up and down season. I would say first half of the season, it felt like he did very well. Second half, he was a bit shaky, but I don't know if every goal was his fault. Now, um, this is everything besides kind of the Real Madrid one. The Real Madrid one was a very bad mistake, very bad mistake, but we won't harp on it for too long. Um, He did have... Uh, a good uh, international window with Senegal. Um, he won the AFCON and he um, got them qualified for the World Cup. So he, um, but we're not really going to rate him based on those. We're only going to really talk about things that he did while he was with the squad. So appearances, he had 49 starts for us this season in all competitions. And he had 22 clean sheets, I believe, for this season. Now, uh, Jude, I'll let, like I said, I'll let you go first, but what do you think Mendy deserves uh, for his performance for the season? Yeah, I've, I've seen him get a little bit of stick recently, Mendy, especially towards the end of the season, which I guess maybe people are used to seeing how good he was last season when he was obviously one of the best keepers in the world, and he still is. But um, there has been a few games where he has dropped off a little bit. I wouldn't say enough to make sure he's not one of the best keepers in the world because he still is but I think I'd give him a eight out of ten yeah eight out of ten I'd say um I'm actually gonna go a bit higher than Jude on this one I'll give him 8.5 I know he made you know he had some shaky um uh moments this season but I also remember some saves 
um, you, you know, the Brentford game, the first game, you know, comes to mind. He was incredible. And if we're judging the entire season, I don't think, I, I, I mean, the, the games that we can say he, you know, had shaky games, maybe four. I, I'm struggling to remember more than four. And we, you know, we played a, well, almost 60 something games this season. So, yeah, for me, I'll give him an 8.5. I think he's, he's been solid at the back. Um, I know he gets stick for his kick out. Um, the team was struggling at that, at that point in time as well. So it, it wasn't just Mendy who was dropping stinkers, you know. Um, it was the entire team. It, the confidence is a bit low. Um, but, yeah, he, he still pulled off some really good saves. So I would give him a, uh, an 8.5. I think I'm going to go for. I think I'm going to go for an eight on this one. Uh, seven. It would be a seventy point seven point five to eight. Um, because I do think he ever since he's came into the side, he's definitely made um a big impact this season. Um, I have to take into account the certain mistakes that may have cost us games or competitions. Um, but overall, I would say he has not really put me into doubt. I'm ne- I'm not we're not at the level where we were when Kepa was in goal for a while. And we were just scared of any shots going on target. And I, I think I speak for all of us to say, we're still confident with Mendy and goal. And, you know, it always, it always surprises me whenever I am on Twitter and I see somebody uh, say, a, a give me the reins post where they, they post their 11 for the next season and they don't have many in there. They have like, I, I saw one with Robert Sanchez or Roberto Sanchez, uh, whatever his name is from Brighton in goal. And I was like, and I saw one for with Meliere from Leeds. And I'm just like, y'all are really trying to bring these guys in over Mendy. I mean, granted, I know Mendy isn't, he's not a five-star skiller on the ball. He's not the most technical. He can't ping a pass from 80 yards out, but I mean, come on. He, he does more what a goalie is our keeper is really supposed to do. He, He's a shot stopper. I mean, is there things he can prove on? Absolutely. Penalties, yeah, but that's kind of a coin toss. So I don't think you can really say too much against Mendy as long as he cuts out the mistakes. If he had no mistakes this season, if he just got beat just because some goals were good or the defense just was lacking, I don't think there would much even be a conversation about this. So for Mendy, I'm going to give – I'm going to give an eight. I'm going to be a little nice. Give him an eight. All right. Keppa. So Keppa has obviously taken a backseat role to Mendy yet. I'm almost, I wouldn't be surprised if Keppa's making more money than Mendy because I'm pretty sure he came in on pretty high wages. Didn't he? Yeah. I think he's in yeah. 150, 160 K week. Yeah. It's ridiculous for a backup keeper. Um, so the season he had 13 starts uh, obviously, a lot of those were cup games and the games where Mendy was gone for AFCON. Um, and he had two sub appearances. I think both were the soup, the Super Cup and the Carabao Cup, I believe, is when uh, he came in. Um, so one on one record. He had six total clean sheets for the year. Um now, I don't think you can overanalyze Kepa too much, but what I would say is he did well in 
I think he had a good season. Kepa had a pretty good season. The only thing you could say that he didn't do well enough is he just didn't make the penalty in the Carabao Cup, and he didn't save any penalties in the Carabao Cup. Which and during the Premier League stint when Mendy was at Afcon, he actually did pretty well. I think we fire. If I, I can probably find the games because they were beginning middle of January, but I'm almost positive Kepa had a positive uh, record after that. Because do y'all remember what, what was the first game was? Was it? Was it the Tottenham, it was Tottenham game? Was yeah. it Tottenham in the Carabao Cup? Yeah, he had a good game against Tottenham, I think. So I think that was the first one. And we won 2-0 against Tottenham in the semifinals. We won 5-1 against Chesterfield. But I think that was Bettinelli in goal, wasn't it? Against Chesterfield? Yeah, that was, yeah. Okay, so that was Bettinelli's one game of the season. Uh, and then we won 1-0 against Tottenham in the second leg of the Carabao Cup. We lost 1-0 against City um, in the Premier League. Only 1-0, though. And I I can't remember too much about that game, if I'm being honest. We drew 1-1 against Brighton. Um, and then we won 2-0 against Tottenham in the league. We won 2-1 against Plymouth. And now here, and I'm pretty sure this is where it ends, and this is where Mendy comes in, but correct me if I'm wrong. Did Mendy come in or did Kepa play the one nil win against Al Hilal in the semifinals for the Club World Cup? I think that was Kepa. Yeah. I think Kepa came back for the final. You mean Mendy came back for the final? Yeah, um, uh, Mendy came back for the um, final against um, Palmeiras. Uh, yeah, Palmeiras. Yeah. But okay. Kepa was in goal for Al, Al, Al Hilal. Okay. So one, two, three four five five so five one and one was his record when mendy was gone that's a great record especially considering your only loss was against man city and brighton have been a team that's out overperformed this year so i would say and i'm not going to really think about the care about cup too much just because it's penalties even though we say uh kepa is a penalty keeper but he did win us the super cup he did win us the super cup and penalties so you could kind of say penalties-wise, it balances out. I'm going to say for what Kepa had to do this season, I'd give him an eight and a half to a nine. Would y'all agree with that? Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I don't. I, I would have given him a, I'm going to say a six, I think. Only because I know he was obviously going to be the backup to Mendy. And I know his expectations going into it were, Obviously not as high as playing every Premier League game, but and he has done well winning us the Super Cup, and then he was also I think he saved a penalty versus Plymouth, didn't he, towards the end to prevent it from going to penalties. But yeah, I just feel like for how much we paid for him, and I know the transfer fee is a few years ago and his wages and everything. I just it's it's, it's a lot for a, a backup goalkeeper, and I know there's he's obviously had that mistake in the Carabao Cup final, which is horrible, and he's not a penalty taker, but. Yeah, six point five six for me. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. You got two sides to pick yeah. from Blanche. <laughs> yeah. No, honestly, I didn't. I didn't see um, June's rated coming. Um, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I'll give him. I'll give him an eight. Um, I'm tempted to say eight point five because I mean, Mendy also had mistakes and kept up you know, 
lost the was it the uh, Carabao Cup final? Yeah, Carabao Cup. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, on 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 mistakes, I'll say they pretty much, you know, kind of like even themselves out. Um, but again, just like Jude said, he was the backup keeper, so there, there wasn't a lot uh, expected from him. Um, but he he did well in the games that he came in, and yeah, that's why I, I'll, I'll give him an eight for that. I would say if um, I'm really only considering now, Kepa's probably the best person to start like this kind of difference in rating off with that. Um, I'm only considering like when he was called upon because I'm not ever thinking of him as Mendy's competition or backup or sorry, not back, a replacement. I always see Mendy as the clear number one and Kepa is a clear number two. Um, so I'm really kind of just only thinking about when Keppa was called upon, what did Keppa do? Kind of straight from that. Um, I'm so I'm like not thinking about the entire season that were why didn't Keppa come in and play more and stuff like that. I would say if Keppa had won us the Carabao Cup as well, he ought to, he could have gotten a nine point five to ten because he would have only lost one game in the entire season when he's played, and that would have been against Man City. So, but yeah, so for Keppa. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to, I'm going to stick with an 8.5. They, eight, that's just me, just based on what he was. But Kepa also is probably the first uh, player that I want to ask this question on. Do you sell or do you keep Kepa this uh, summer? If an offer comes in, that is not insulting. Uh, so, yeah, no, yeah, I'd sell. <laughs> Lasha, you said so? Yeah, so. Okay, we're on, we're on agreement, so. Okay. Yeah, I, I didn't think that one would take much time. I was just going to do it as a formality. Um, okay, so Antonio Rudiger. Now, we're not even going to ask keep or sell because we would say keep. <laughs> That's not an option anymore. Um, kind of leaving out contract influences. More just talking about games he's played for us. He had 54 starts for the season for us. And he had five goals, um, including an absolute screamer. And um, I think it was Brentford. Wasn't it the game? Wasn't it the one four loss against Brentford that he had the screamer in? Yeah. 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 Because it looked, I think we felt so good after that, like they were going to win. Then Brentford absolutely just curb stomped us. So that was bad. Um, Jude, what are you feeling for Rudy? Um, I'll probably give Rudiger um, 8.5, I think. Yeah, I mean, he's had, a, he's had his, probably his best season for us and uh, it'll be a big loss when he goes. But it's, it's just, he, he adds a lot to the team, his pace, aggression, his strength. His, he's very good in the air. He's good defensively. And, well, he takes long shots and we finally got his one. But, yeah, I think 8.5 at the end it did. I wouldn't say it dipped, but it, it wasn't to the standard we've seen for the rest of the season. Um, I'd, yeah, I think I'd give him 8.5 as well. I think he was one of the most consistent players. And, you know, that's not a word you can use with a lot, a lot of players um, in the past season. Um, but, yeah, he, he played to a very high level for a long period of time. And, yeah, that's, that's why I'd, I'd give him 8.5 as well. Uh, I will agree. I thought Rudiger was a contender for player of the season. Uh, I thought he was very consistent. Um, 
even when things uh, were a little shaky for him. I don't think he really – I don't know if he ever had any game that was a stinker. I would say at the end of the season, he seemed not as mean and aggressive. But at the same time, he wasn't playing bad, if that makes sense. So yeah. I think 8.5 is uh, very sensible. Okay. Malong Sar. Now, I think there weren't very much expectations from Malong Sar going into this season. It was clear he was a backup. I didn't really, I don't think any of us ever saw him much more as a potential future uh, cash deal or just a financial gain because we have him on a free. So I think we always thought, yeah, we're going to sell him. And I think we're all in agreement to sell this summer. Is that, are we just get that out of the way? Are we all on sale? Um, depending on who we can buy as backup center backs. Because I feel like if, if he's happy to sit around and maybe play six or seven Premier League games a season, I'll keep him. But yeah, no, if an offer came in, I would probably sell. Well, I'll say this. If you pro- you could have Levi Caldwell instead of Malong Sar as your backup. Oh, yeah. In this kind of yeah, 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 without a doubt. Yeah. Um, I'm selling him as well. Um, it, it's, it doesn't even depend on who we buy. He's, he's clearly not a Chelsea player, to be honest. And I think the whole plan around him was never for him to be in the in the starting eleven. But yeah, sell. Okay, I hear y'all. So he featured 16 starts and five sub appearances for us in all competitions. And he has he had never scored a goal. Now, Jude, go ahead and start us off. I have a feeling this might be a shorter one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give him a, a four. Um, I feel like the whole deal itself was just purely because he was free. And correct me if I'm wrong, but his agent at the time was the same agent as Lukaku. So I, I saw a few rumors saying that could be a, a, a reason why he, he came. But yeah, he's... Uh, the quality isn't there. I agree with you on this one. It has to be a four. Um, yeah. I don't really have any arguments. I was going to say five, but yeah, I could, I could settle for a four. And it's not like we have to be unanimous on this, but yeah, I think he had one standout performance, in my opinion, against Brentford at the beginning of the season. Um, and after that, I can't think of any notable one where he was really good. Everyone was average or bad, if I remember correctly. So I think Malong Sar is an easy one to move on from. Okay, this one's a good one. Tiago Silva. Um, let's see. Tiago Silva had 41 starts. Jesus Christ. This guy, I think he's 37 now. 41 starts and seven sub-appearances. Damn. Three goals, too. Uh, is there nothing more special than when Thiago Silva scores a goal in a game? Isn't that just like almost as good as a win in itself? Like it's so special when he scores. Yeah, I'm actually quite surprised. Like a... Yes, so go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, he just always has a massive smile on his face, is what I was going to say. And it always just, uh, the whole squad seems yeah. happy when he, when he scores. Yeah, I'm actually quite surprised this season as well that Mounds didn't take as many corners because I think, you know, last season, a lot of his goals came from uh, Mount corners. And, yeah, when he scores, it's just, it's just really, you know, a joy to watch. And he, you, you can tell how much it means to him as well. Um, so, yeah. Okay, so Jude, um, 
Now I'm guessing on average, I'm just going to take a random guess here. I'm just saying none of us will give him lower than 8.5, um, but you'd go off. This is my prediction. Yeah, uh, for Silver, I'd give him a nine. I think he's second in my player of the season, I think, only just. But his age and how many times he's played this season and how good he is, he's, he's incredible. He's, you can see things others can't see when he's defending. And yeah, he's, he's a good leader to have in the squad, even if he can't speak fluent English. But yeah, nine for me. Um, I think I'd, I'd, I'd give him an 8.5. The reason I'm, I'm sticking with 8.5 for Silva is because I don't think anybody gets higher than a 9 for me this season. So, giving Thiago Silva that, mm, I'm not sure. I have someone else in mind to give, to give a 9. So, yeah, I'll just stick with 8.5. I think he was quite consistent as well as Rudiger. Um, and, yeah, the like I said, the whole team's performance dipped at some point um, in March. And his performance is dipped as well. Um, so, yeah, but he was, he, he was, you know, one of the consistent ones, uh, as, you know, alongside Rudiger. So, yeah, I'll give him 8.5 as well. Can I just take a guess on who the nine? You said someone, you, you already have someone in mind you want to give a nine to? Yep. Can I take a guess who it is? Sure. I have two players in mind. And okay. one of them, I feel like it might not be just because he was out for a bit of the season. And the, I, the other one, it could be him. But is it Reese James? Yes, absolutely. Okay, okay I, feel, I feel good for being able to guess that. <laughs> okay, so for me, um, Silva definitely was top three player of the season. Um, I think him, Rudiger are one and two. Um, and I would say in Mount, um, all three. Mount, uh, I mean, he did win player of the season. I think I would have given it to Rudiger. I think I would have given player of the season to Rudiger, maybe. Um, it, it's a very tight top three because obviously Rudiger and Silva aren't known for goals, but they're incredible, formidable players. Um, so they do their own job incredibly well, and they're very consistent, which is a huge part of what I think player of the season should get. Um, for Silva, I'm going to give him. I'm going to give him an 8.5 because I, I also think, based on where how we finished with in the season, I think there's a, a little bit of a cap. I don't think anybody can get a nine uh, over a nine, with how we did because nobody did that well. I think, I think only player of the season people can get an 8.5 as a minimum. So I'm going to say 8.5 for Silva. Now this one, okay, we might have some words for this one, but um, Andreas Christensen will obviously have a very um, what is a dramatic ending to a season for him. But in all competitions, he started 31 times, three sub appearances, and he scored two goals. Ironically enough, because I'm pretty sure that it's his first two goals ever for us. So, oh yeah, it is two actually. So. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> anybody, I would be surprised. I'm just going to out myself here because I don't know if anybody actually remembers any of my episodes from the beginning of the season. When I was doing my season predictions, I said Christensen would record the most minutes out of any Chelsea player this season. Um, that was awkward. I think it was actually ended up being Rudiger, maybe, who recorded the most. 
because he did have 54 starts. And I do believe that is the most starts, if I'm looking correctly at this, out of any player. So, Jude, say whatever you want. This might be a little harsh, but I'm going to give him a five. Um, this could have been a good year for him uh, if he got that contract and would have built on that and etc. last year. But he he said the opposite. He didn't he didn't get it for whatever reasons. People blamed him, but whatever. Um, yeah, no, he's pulled out of most recent final. He didn't play in the Carabao Cup final either. He, he burnt his bridges here, and uh, yeah, his, his performances, his, his singular performances have fallen off quite rapidly. Um, yeah, so I, I'm going to give him a six, actually, um, only because I remember that he started the season really well. Uh, but I think ever since Tuchel came out in that interview to say that, you know, to talk about his contract openly, his performances sort of took a hit. And that's, you know, the difference between him and Rudiger. Rudiger stayed consistent for a long time even though we knew he may not sign that contract. But Christensen, his performance just, you know, started dipping. Also, he became a little bit unreliable, no, actually not a little bit, a really unreliable. Some of it not being his fault because, you know, he came out, he might be going through, you know, personal stuff. But I mean, not to sound harsh or anything, Ronaldo is a good example. I mean, this guy lost his kid. And he played how many days after? I'm not sure there's anything, you know, that could be more personal than that. But anyway, you know, not, not, to, get into, not to get into his personal stuff. I think even before, you know, he came out that he was dealing with personal stuff and pulling out of the FA Cup final, he, his performances, you know, just went down um, a lot early in the season. And yeah, for me, he gets a six. I'm really not going to speak too much about it because I completely agree with Lache on a lot of things because I was going to give him a six as well. And I mean, how I said about Rudiger, don't let contract stuff affect his uh, rating. That was mainly because he kept playing with everything going on. Christensen, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say the same applies to because he, he did, he pulled out of games and he almost made himself unavailable, which was, one of the more uncharacteristic things I have seen from a player. Now I've, we've had a lot of drama in the past between Courtois, David Louise, some other players about whenever things were coming to the end, that it was shaky, but um, this is definitely one of the big, biggest ones I would say is surprising because I would say Christensen was a, I wouldn't say a club favorite universally, but I would say he was very much liked by many people based on his form um, as same as Rudiger since Tuchel had came in because he had been one of our best defenders. He had been super influential in the Champions League win. And he had, and like Lashe said, he had been good at the beginning of the season. And I, and he was great for Denmark. He's been in great form. And it looked like we, we might be getting the Christensen that we had all planned on getting. But, and I thought maybe he had put all these issues behind him and, if he, and listen, I'm a huge mental health advocate. I will say if there's something wrong in the head, then you need help. And it, it's okay to ask for help and it's okay to seek help. But at the same time, I do have this fundamental belief that if you need help, 
you need to be able to remove yourself from whatever you're dealing with, whether it's personal stuff, whether it's work related and focus on improving yourself to be able to get to a better point to where you can do that stuff because you're, you're a professional, you're an employee. I mean, this, this is a business and this is a job. So if, if he's not actually hurt and this is all just maybe hearsay speculation based on, because I don't, know if we ever got official injury diagnosis i think what at the end of the season all we just heard is he said he's not good for it i don't know if any medical team influence came into that but all we know is that he did not feature in these games he was either in warm-ups or he said he wasn't even able to go and feature in the team but if it is mentally influenced decisions then maybe he shouldn't even be going to barca right now maybe he should just be taking a break from football honestly just work on some things because because that kind of stuff that's more important than a job that's more important but um then i mean obviously he needs to make money i mean the guy i don't think the guy is strapped for cash if we're being honest so i would have said if if all of that stuff really was like issues with things going on in his head i hope he takes a break because i hope he's just able to get better and work on that because i don't think that is something a professional athlete should I, and I can't, it's, I can't just sit blankly say everyone needs to fix their head. Everyone needs to get better because I'm, I'm, I'm one of these people who deals with all these kind of things, but I, even I like try to do things to work on myself. But if, um, because Barcelona, hell, I would say that might be a more toxic place than here potentially, if those kind of things are going to impact him. And I hope, if he is actually going to go Barca, there's a lot of things happening with Barca right now with maybe not being able to register players. There's talks and maybe they won't even be able to register Christensen. I haven't even heard. I haven't even seen an official signing. I have not even seen an announcement. Have y'all about him going to Barcelona officially from them? No. Yeah, it's just kind of an unspoken thing at this point that he's going. But imagine if he doesn't. He's... His contract's expired right now, right? Yeah, so his contract's coming to an end at the, well, I think at the end of June. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what, what's going to happen there. Uh, I saw I saw something on Twitter the other day, you know, if you had a U-turn and you wanted to resign with Chelsea, would, would, you know, would you take him type of thing? But, yeah, I'm not too sure about that. Jude, do you have anything to say on it? Yeah, it's too late for him here. He's he's made his bed, so he can go and lie on it. Yeah, I'd say the way things have gone down, it's felt like a burned bridge. He's still probably, as a player, one of the best defenders that is on the market, I would say, especially considering he's for free. But it's kind of like one of those, go, like, don't go back to your exes kind of thing. Because even if it's, even if you could patch things up, maybe at this point, it's just not a good idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the best analogy for this is a girl wanting to leave you, but then she decides to change her mind because the person she was going to go to is married. Yeah, so yeah, <laughs> it doesn't look good. Even if you take her back, you would still question why she's, you know, why, you know, her loyalty while she's with you and all that. So yeah, I wouldn't take him back. He should um, take some time, like you said, to uh, deal with whatever it is that he's going through and find a different club, I think. Yeah. So 
I do wish him the best. I am a very appreciative of what he's given us all this time at the accolades. I am appreciative of it. And I really do genuinely hope that whatever is illing him, plaguing him, I hope he's able to overcome it. So uh, Aspi, club captain, my favorite player. Um, he played, let's see, 41 starts and five subs. Now this, he was two appearances short of Tiago Silva, which is pretty impressive. That is Tiago Silva that he is, I think, um, how old is Aspi? Is he 31, 32? I think 33, if I'm not mistaken. He might be at this point, but Tiago said was 37, and he managed two more appearances than Aspi. But I don't think Aspi would have nearly gotten this amount of appearances if Reese James um, had been fit all season. I think he's only had this many numbers because of Reese's injury. Um, but he did get he did get three goals. Um, and I, I got to say about Tiago Silva, I got to say about Asby, there's nothing more special than when Asby scores a goal. That man goes crazy with the celebrations, like just the emotion in his face. I love it. But um, yeah, so this might be Asby's last season because it's a lot more less um, like unspoken than Christensen's situation that he may go to Barca because because Barca, like I said, might not be able to sign anybody. And I don't know if anybody else is going to come in for Aspi because he technically still does still have a year on his contract now because of the automatic extension due to number of appearances made. So anybody who wants him, we'll have to pay a small fee, maybe uh, a couple million. So Jude, what would you give Aspi for this season? Um, I would give him a six. Um, I think he's out of... Fairly decent year overall. And like we said earlier, because James were injured, he played more games than probably expected at the start. But I just feel like at the second half of the season, like a lot of other players in this team, it, it dropped off and you could kind of tell his age and his, his pace was letting him down a little bit. Um, but yeah, no, he's still one of my favourite players in the squad. I do hope he is here next season. But yeah, I feel like a six is fair. Um. I'll give him a 6.5. I think he's got a big goal in the Club World Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and yeah, his his performances went, you know, down like Jude, Jude mentioned, and he got to a point where he was almost playing against Chelsea. Um, I'll give him a 6.5. Yeah, just not more than that, 6.5. I... And maybe a little biased, which is probably normal because Aspie's my favorite player. I think it's the most Aspie quite the thing to get a seven, set a flat seven for the season. And that's probably me being a little generous, um, mainly because of how many games he was able to do for us when Reese was gone. Um, and I will, obviously, he's not a right wing back anymore. I think that if Aspie stayed any longer at the club, he should be a right center back. But obviously, we're trying to bring Kunde in, Chalaba. We want to be a more prominent player. So if anything, it just probably is the right time to move on from him. But um, I would personally give him a seven. Um, and maybe he's a being a little generous because he's my favorite player. But just because he's always reliable, I will say this has been the season when he's shown the most errors or um, just struggling to deal with the competition. 
but um, yeah, I won't, I won't say too much more. Um, I'll, I'll ask this one question. If Barca don't sign Asby this season, um, would you, would you want somebody to put a bid in for him to get a small free for him, maybe 5 million or so instead of him playing another year or staying another year, not necessarily as a starter either could be a backer pro. I just mean in the squad. Yeah, for me, I would I would like to keep him one more year just for the new takeover and just like come on say transitional period and have the captain still there is always handy. Um, and our defense has been ripped apart this summer with so many players leaving. So one less leaving would be good for me. Um, I mean, for me, if he wants to go and a bid comes in from another club, yes. Um, I don't want a, a case where we force him out because um, he's kind of flirted with Barca and it didn't go through. I'd rather have him for one year, but he cannot play as many games as he played this past season. It has to be more for the you know dressing room, ushering in the new you know um, well the new players that are going to be you know joining the team and just for that stability. I'd keep him for one more season. But if he wants to go and, you know, there's an offer put in for him for five million, as you said, yeah, sell. I would say if the Barca transfer falls through, I would prefer to keep him and let him just finish his contract out because it didn't feel like he got the proper send-off that I feel like he should as club captain. Um, and I would like that more in front of more fans, if possible, for sentimental reasons. I also just, we're in this very awkward phase where I feel like Aspi here one more year would be good for backup to Reese. Emphasis on backup. Hopefully Reese stays healthy. I don't want to always assume Reese is going to get injured once a season for or twice a season for a good period. I don't want to call him injury prone anymore. Um, I would think Aspi staying here as backup for him and playing maybe a few cup games and stuff um people have said kunde can play right back or right wing back i will prefer not to have to go that route um but i think asby would be a great influence kind of like tiago silver where if people can play with them for a season it would really help them going forward um but also because i do still think about getting tino livermento from southampton in my mind and that even though i know he's hurt right now but I'm talking about for not this summer, next summer, when the buyback is um, eligible, because it is not yet. It is available in the summer of 2023. I do think bringing Tino in as the backup to Reese, or maybe maybe he doesn't want to be backup. Maybe, who knows? Because um, Reese, honestly, I, I love Reese's right wing back. Um, I still think a four at, the, four at the back would be right. And I think Reese um, has to be that guy. Who knows? Reese can evolve into something more, though. I mean, it's it's not unprecedented to think he could become a midfielder. If <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying that very, very loosely, by the way. Um, but yeah, the main reason I think I like Asby coming in is because I still think of Tino coming into this side as um, another uh, another player to play that right side, and I'd like to think we can still keep that in the cards by having not a new player for that depth spot um, come in this season because 
I think you bring in anybody on the market. I think the most likely person I've heard is Serginio Dest from Barca. There's been some kind of loose rumors about a swap and cash thing for Alonso um, or Aspie, um, that Barca and Chelsea would work something out and Dest would come this way and we would send Alonso, Aspie, cash that way, but Christian's on a free, I don't know. It's very loosely. Don't do not take me as an ITK or anything. Um, but I really can't think of anybody else that I would want to bring in for that right side. Um, so that quick, knows. Quick they would question. Yeah. Quick question. If going to a different team, so not Barca, so the Barca deal falls through. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But if going to a different team guarantees that he plays for Spain in the World Cup, would you still want to keep him at Chelsea? No. No. Okay. If, if, so if, the, if yeah, he. That, yeah, no, you make a good point uh, with the World Cup coming up because Aspie actually, some people might not know this, Aspie almost has never played in the, in the Spain uh, Spanish squad as a starter. Carvajal yeah. has really always held that down as his own, and Aspie's barely gotten in. Aspie has played more for the starting team than he has in his entire career, I think, in the past two years. So if he was able to go to another team and be a starter and that got him – a role in Spain's squad for the World Cup? Yes, I, I would unselfishly say Aspie should go and do that. But thank, thank you for pointing out a blush. That's a good question. Okay. Uh, Chalaba, Chalabino, my boy Trevor Chalaba, who I'm very hyped on. I saw a post about is Trevor good enough? Um, but I think I would, unless y'all want to speak up and say he's not good enough, um, I personally think he's fine. It's his first season in the Prem with us. He's very young. Um, sorry, Lasha. Did you have anything you want to say? Yeah, no, no. I was just gonna say I definitely think he's good enough. I also like the fact that you know he, you can see that he grows through games. Um, he's had a few rough ones, yes, but he he's a kid, and th- this is why we we need him in the team. Uh, even Reese James didn't have a you know fantastic first season at Chelsea, so I don't see any reason why you know Chaliba has to be judged harshly on the you know few rough patches that you had this season so yeah i think it's definitely good enough for chelsea yeah um i think one thing i really like that trevor brings is he is probably the second player on the team that has the best bastard mentality behind rudiger and i think with rudiger leaving somebody's going to need to be a like brutal force especially in the defense to kind of just unnerve players jude do you have something you want to say yeah, no, I've been quite impressed with Chalo this season because I think at times people do forget that it is his first season in the Premier League. And, well, in pre-season, I didn't think he would have a place in the squad, to be honest. I thought he'd get loaned out again. But, yeah, no, he's exceeded every expectation I had of him. So what are we giving him for ratings? Um, sorry, let me give him his stats first. Uh, Chalaba played 24 starts and six sub-appearances, which is – not too bad considering it was his first season in. I think people thought it'd be more rotational. And he had fo- his first four goals for the club, including the absolute screamer that he did at the beginning of the year, which was just goal- one of the goal of the season's uh, contenders for me. It has to be. Um, what do y'all give him for the season? I would give him a 7.5. Um, I'd give him a 7, actually. Um, I think he's had a decent season for his first season, like I said. Also, one thing that he brings that um, I really like and I wish we could, you know, make 
make use of more is the fact that he's the only other person apart from Reese James that would crack a shot from outside the box if he has a chance. And he's quite good at it as well. So we know when Rudiger does it, it's almost, if he goes on target, we're like, oh yeah, this is, you know. But with Chalobah, if he shoots, it's almost always on target. And that's something that I feel like we lack in this team a lot. So yeah, I'll give him a seven. I think I'm seven to seven point five on this one. Um, I'm gonna give him a seven. I think seven is good um, because I think he, for a first season, he's done really well. He definitely showed a few raw spots um, in his game that he can improve upon, and I definitely think he's gonna work on that this offseason. And I, I do think Tuchel plans to keep him around. I think we did talk about how there was some maybe odd treatments, maybe like scary to Tomori, how he might have been looking like he was phased out, but maybe it just was not right time for him to come in. But at the end of the season, he came in and did all right. Um, I think I think he's, he's still learning. He's still a young player. Um, I think that we forget that considering he's probably one of those lone players that people really don't think about too much. I think people really didn't expect Chalba to ever come back into the team. So not many followed him to a certain extent when he was on Lorient. And so maybe people forget he's still young and he's still developing, even though like he's had a good few seasons, like he hasn't been in the premier league before. He hasn't had a premier league alone. So this was his first season. And at first season, I would agree. um, He overachieved my expectations. And I would say, some of his best qualities that I like is that he's progressive with the ball um, into the final third. He, he runs that right side of a three back very well. Um, he is versatile as a holding midfielder. We, we saw glimpses of that. Obviously maybe we might see some more of that in preseason uh, of it being like a depth option in case we do bring in a DM, but um, no, I'm very, I'm very happy. I, I really like Trevor and I do think, him and Kunde could be a great um, kind of depth partnership with each other if Kunde does come in. I kind of have a mindset he is coming, so inevitable. So, okay, seven. Reese James. Now, I think the thing we have to remember is he did miss a lot of games. Um, let me, I'm trying to find him on this list. Reese James, 31 starts and eight sub appearances. He had six goals. Um, now sadly the, the, the stat sheet that somebody made for me that I'm looking at this, they don't have assists included, but I think we know Reese is one of those that has plenty of assists to his name. Um, he has really shown, I think there was a question at the beginning of the season. Do we like Reese more as a right center back or as a right wing back, considering how he was being deployed a little bit at the end of the season. And I would say if Tino or Akimi had came into the team, I could have seen, I would have said I would have wanted Reese at right center back because I think he would have been maybe the best right center back in the league. I don't think anybody would have been able to beat him. And if I think the beautiful image in my head is somebody like Tino or Hakimi, who's kind of, who can play fullback um, at right back or, uh, and that wing back spot. And there's this very fluid overlapping in the game where you can't just, count on one person to always be the one that makes a run past you reese could be doing it instead it could be mount or zh whoever's at the right wing just that 
that three at the back, that three on the right side, if we're doing a three at the back, just a constant fluid motion and that keeps the defense on their heels that I would have just loved to see someone like Reese pair up with Tino or Akimi and just work with each other to tear up a defense. Um, but I think this season he's shown that the right wing spot truly is his spot, especially since Hakimi's no longer in the picture. Tino, he he's probably just not the one we think about, and we might be going to back to fourth back. I'm hoping. So, Reese James, I think if he hadn't, and let me ask you a question before you give a rating. If Reese James had never gotten hurt, based on his form and all the stats he posted. Do you think he could have won player of the season? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, he's had a really good year by the time he was out for injured, obviously. But yeah, I think when he plays, it's quite obvious he's one of the best players on the pitch. And he's, I think, nine assists in the Premier League. I think he, yeah, it's just, uh, I mean, if you compare his minutes for minutes to Trent, it is a lot better. And it's a, it's a shame he did get injured because I think this year could have been a really, really big year for him. So I'd, I'd probably give him a eight out of ten. Yeah, I mean, if if he wasn't out for that injury, for me, I think he would have won play of the season hands down. And the reason he he's getting nine for me um, is not uh, even with the you know the time that he had out was because when he came back. Um, he brought something back into this team and it was that reliability for him. We relied on him defensively. I mean, you know, there were games where Tuchel gave him a role to man mark, you know, uh, against Crystal Palace, he did Zaha, against Real Madrid, he did um, against Vinicius and against Liverpool in the FA Cup final. Um, the first 15 minutes, Diaz was running wild. But then Tuchel did something, dropped him back closer to Trev, and Diaz was quiet the rest of the game. So that defensive reliability for me, and also for the fact that he started contributing, you know, to the goals and assists, especially when he came back as well. We at some point we we, we pretty much just relied on Reese for you know breaking down low blocks, and for me that's such a huge uh, contribution from you know, such a young player. And that's why he gets nine for me. Like, Reese was the guy that did both sides of the game for us. And yeah, that's, that's for me, the, that's why I'm giving him a nine. I think I would give him an eight. I think I have to, I, I think I have to give an eight because uh, I reserved my eight and a half for like the player of the season um, level players. And I would say that whenever Reese was in, I don't think I ever really saw him do something wrong. So maybe you could almost argue an eight is harsh, but I would say eight, eight and a half. Cause I definitely think if Reese never gets injured, it's very possible. He's player of the season. It's very possible. We could have been more successful in trophies uh, or in the league. Now there is now you could also ask the question, what if Ben never got hurt? If Ben and Reese never got hurt, this might get a, this might turn a little eighteen plus for us. I mean, to think about the possibilities of how good it could have gotten. Because if we, next season, if Ben is healthy, you know, I think it was super shocking that we saw 
Ben Shilwell come into that Watford game, I was like, what the hell? That is way too early. But maybe maybe he's ahead of the curve. Maybe we're, he, he might. I'm excited because I'm going to the uh, Chelsea Arsenal game in Orlando in July, and I'm really hoping Ben does play because that's right around the time when he needs to start getting into the match fitness again. Because if, we, if we're coming around August and Ben's healthy to play match, uh, match ready, I mean, granted, if anybody will really be match ready, but if he's able to start and Reese is able to start, if we're at a full strength team from the get-go, I would just be ecstatic and just be like, let's just hit the ground running. And last season we did that too. I believe last season we started off great. Um, but you can remember, I think Ben actually didn't start much last season. Also, I know we're, Ben's the next player, to be fair, on this list, even though we're talking about Reese right now. Um, but maybe we, this, is, this is how we transition into talking about uh, Ben Showell. Um, so I think enough, we said plenty about Reese because you can say so much about Reese. Um, but yeah, with Ben, he only got to play, God, is it going to be, is it even going to be more than 20? I'm trying to find his name on this list. Um, no, oh my God. He had nine starts and four sub appearances, three goals to be fair. But yeah, the beginning of this season, he didn't even start, I believe, because he was basically ostracized from England's squad uh, during the Euros. And I don't know why. And then Alonso uh, started off very well in the season, and Ben was having to work to get in. He got in, sure enough. We all knew that he would get in. Um, and then he started looking good. We're having these great games. And then it was it was at the four nil win against Juventus that he got hurt in. Yeah, it was. Dear God. Yeah, that that was so painful. I was at the game as well, and I saw him go down, and there wasn't really any real contact or anything like that. And he just stayed down, and you could see that he was in pain. And I said to myself, "Shit, I think our season is about to be fucked." I was right, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was very painful to see. Yeah. So, wow. He didn't even record 10 starts. Damn. Well, this is one of those that is, you could say is an NA, potentially. I don't even know if we should rate Ben because it almost seems a little unfair. How are y'all feeling about this? Yeah, I agree. I actually was going to say not applicable for Ben because I mean, start of the season, he wasn't even playing because, well, Gareth Southgate, for some strange reason, decided not to play him even in one game at all in the Euros. So, you know, the early part of the season, he was building up much fitness or, you know, some sort of fitness. And, yeah, he didn't play a lot of games. It would be, it would be weird trying to rate his season. Yeah, he got three goals. And I think if he played for you know, uh, another month, say, I think his injury came in November. If he played up, up until like mid-December, then yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, you can rate him based on that. But yeah, he's, he's not had too many games. So I would, I'm happy with, you know, not applicable on this one. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I feel like, because he's obviously going to be the sort of player to play in at least 30 games a season in the Premier League, that is. So, 
the fact he only what started six games, I think, in the Premier League, and then that obviously that sub and against Watford, but that doesn't really count. But yeah, I, I think it's a bit unfair to judge him too too much on this year. I think it's fine. I think it's fine to be able to say this one's an NA. Um, so we can go ahead and just move on, and we're just all hoping Ben's going to be healthy enough. Um, but debatably a, a controversial one. I don't really know about y'all's thoughts on, on Marcus Alonso. But uh, Marcus Alonso, I've never been a super fan of him, and it's mainly just kind of his attitude and his work ethic. But I won't do too much talk about that. 39 starts and seven sub appearances from Alonso. Um, he had five goals um, in all competitions. And like I said, he's one of those, I think he registers a good, maybe couple of assists. He's probably more, known more for goals, but um, I don't know. What are, what are y'all feeling about this? Because he, he held, I say he held it down. I mean, you could put a rock on a tarp and then you call it holding it down for the wind, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's uh, doing the best job. But um, how did y'all feel about Alonso this season, dude? Yeah, I, I think he's had an all right year. I think I'd probably give him a six because he's, he's had really good games like he did in the Carabao Cup final where he did really well versus Salah and I thought he was probably one of our man of the matches. But yeah, it's always Alonso, same old story when you've one good performance followed by three or four awful ones and he's letting runners through and then there was reports of a bust up between Tuka as well I don't know if that was proven not true or true or not but yeah I feel like this year it's probably the the right year to say goodbye and yeah I'd give him a six um I may be a bit harsh on the guy I'll give him a five um also because I know that all season Tuchel had a go at this guy at every opportunity they had. And for me, he's meant to be a wing back. So yeah, I think wing backs should really help um, stretch defenses. And he just doesn't, he doesn't know how to run in behind. Like he, he just won't do it. Um, and yeah, I'm not a big fan of Alonso, I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah, five for me. Um, I'm gonna give him a five and a half, 5.5. Um, I won't say other too much, other than I feel like there he's not consistent, he's not the everyone says he's one of the best wing backs, but I mean, you say that, but that's only because he can get into good scoring opportunities. But you to a wing back to me, he needs to be able to do both jobs very well. Um, Still, I mean, same as a fullback, but yeah, I'll, I won't carry on too much about this. I don't, I don't want to drag this episode really on too long. Um, so let's move on to Jorginho. Jorginho registered 40 starts, seven sub appearances. Uh, actually, sorry, um, Alonso might be at sold, but we're, are we all did we all universally say sold on this one? Yeah, is yeah, okay, okay, just registering that for my purposes okay Jorginho sorry yes 40 uh starts seven sub appearances nine goals this season which I guess were all penalties um I'm not gonna lie I don't remember that many penalties from this season but um I guess he had nine penalties because I don't remember last time he got an open play goal 
I actually do kind of remember it. I just don't remember when it was. I it was like a lofted uh over the hole in defense, and he kind of just tapped it in, if I remember correctly. Um, Jude, how are you feeling about Jorginho's season as a whole? Yeah, I've never been Jorginho's biggest fan. Um, I mean, he he, he did he got he won loads of personal awards this season, third in the Ballon d'Or, UEFA's best player and whatnot. Um, but overall, I'd probably give him a six out of ten, I would say. I, like, he does what he does well. He, he slows down the play and passes it around. But I just feel like there's lots of other players out there who, who does that and also do more. And with only a year left on his contract, I think, yeah, if an offer came in for him, we should not say no. Um, I'll give him 6.5. The reason he gets the 0.5 on top is because when we had the injury crisis um, with Kante and Kovacic being out, he was playing through injury himself. And that, you know, level of, how should I say, dedication and commitment for me gets extra points. In terms of what he brings to the team or what he, you know, brought to the team last season, yeah, typical Jorginho. Um, I, I mean, I know a lot of people like the fact that he di- dictates the tempo, but I think that tempo that he dictates is just too slow to actually win Premier League games. And that's the major problem we have with Jorginho. Things just need to move a lot faster with him. Uh, you know, the balls, the passes, um, himself, <laughs> he needs to move a lot faster. But yeah, 6.5 for me. I'm going to give him a seven. Um, I do think Jorginho is still a good player overall, but I don't know necessarily if he's the type of player who can be your game in game out starter every week, um, especially in the Premier League. I Especially because from a business point of view, next year he's out of a contract. And I think this is going to be your last chance to really get any type of real value for him. Because I don't think there's any point in extending his contract, um, even if he might even want an extension. I think that it he does want to go to home to Italy to end his career, whenever that is. So his last big contract, I think he would like in Italy. I think it would make sense to let that happen this time. I won't say push him out the door, but um, if there's an offer that comes in, then I do say entertain it. Um, are we, are we, so if an offer comes in, are we all sell on this? Yeah, I am. Yeah, sell for me as well. Okay, so um, we'll say sell for that. Okay, uh, Conte. Conte had a ish iffy season, I feel like. Um, it really felt like, is was this the worst season we've seen from Conte? Has to be. Yeah, yeah. That hurts to say. But um, 31 starts, 11 appearances two goals good job um yeah i don't know i as far as content it's it's hard because it feels like when he's good the damn he's good but most it seems like those are becoming few and far between like whenever he's on there and he's hurt most of the time now it feels like i don't know um and jude what do you what are you feeling this this one's a hard one for me because i'm really trying to separate emotion from it and Conte is one of those guys we're all emotional on, especially after he's come on to like almost a career best year, especially in the Champions League. 
Yeah, no, I, I really like Kante for many reasons, but it's probably a tough year for him. I'd probably give him a a six as well. Um, I feel like after the summer break and maybe just gets a month or so just to rest, recover and get back to football fitness in pre-season, he may see the best of him again next season. I would like to see him stay. Um, I did actually watch the France-Denmark uh, game and he looked very good in that. So, yeah, it just... I feel like maybe if we have a DM next to him, I mean, no, I don't want to have a dig at Jorginho, but maybe someone like Declan Rice or someone. But if it will allow him to do his thing, go up to get to the field and press more. But yeah, a six for me. Yeah, I agree, I agree with Jude on this one. Um, he gets a six. And yeah, I'd like to have him around as well. Um, he needs help. That's what he needs. Um, help in the form of proper rest and also um, more competent players around him I think will do Kante a lot of good and he shouldn't be playing that many games next season um, we, we, should, we need to manage um, you know his fitness his games and I think we have him for you know a bit longer so yeah six for me I'm going to give him a 6.5, which might be generous on my part. Maybe I feel like maybe it's more 6 to 6.5 rather than 6.5 to 7, because I do feel like he really is a key asset when he's healthy and he's feeling himself. But when he's not, it is starting to look like a liability. It's hard because a lot of times in the games, he can be very good, but sometimes the few mistakes he does make is what kind of leads to costing us a point or two. So I'm going to say 6.5, but I guess we're all in the keep category for at least a year. If I'm right on that, but let me ask y'all this, would you rather extend Conte's contract? I will say maybe two years, see if you'll take it. Um, I'm trying to say, well, what I'm trying to say is, would you be okay losing Conte next year on a free or would you want to extend his contract? So if he does leave next summer or maybe the summer after that, you can get a small fee for him. I, I would extend his contract. Uh, I still feel like even though consistency well this year, he's not at his best, but in them UCL games, We've seen last season we won it and the big matches he is a he's an asset to have. So I'll extend this contract if he's willing to accept a year or you know one year with an uh, option to extend for an additional year after that. If he, he's happy to accept that, then yeah, extend it. But if not, then yeah, I mean uh, I really don't mind keeping him for one year and letting let him, let him go on a free, to be honest. Yeah, I would say if we, even though he's he's been one of the best in the world in his position for a long time, maybe he isn't anymore due to fitness and form. I think on his day he is, but um, if, if he, I think he'd be the type to be okay with like a bench role. And I guess maybe hopefully the fan base would recognize that it is okay to manage him and like make him more of a bench player and let other people become 
the every week starters, but I guess I would say keep Conte and extend, see if we can get two years extra, maybe a small fee for him. I feel like he might go to France to finish off his career because I feel like he's only got like maybe one more after this. Okay, uh, Mateo Kovacic, who had 33 starts, 11 substitute appearances, and two goals this season. Now, obviously, I also won. I don't remember who got goal this season, but was it Kovacic's goal against Liverpool? Yeah. Yeah, I think he won that. Okay, so maybe that gets him a half a point extra on this rating. Um, Kovacic... Now, I think he's probably the best midfielder we've had this uh, season. And I think he's one of those that we always have to plan on him in the lineup going forward. But he is also one of the players like Conte to me that I feel like as good as he is normally in his games, it feels like he's always got a mistake or two prone in him where he just gets dispossessed really easily or he does a bunch of careless passes. But overall, I feel like talent-wise, he's the best midfielder we have right now. Um, I don't know if y'all agree or disagree on that, but you would give me your thoughts and rating for him. Yeah, no, I think Kovacic has been our, our best, best, best midfielder of the season. I would give him a 7.5. Um, I feel like to get an 8 or 8.5, he, the injuries kind of got on his way a little bit and he had a few this year, but... Yeah, no, I think he's had a solid year and he can uh, build on that for next season and hope you do even better. Yeah, I agree with the 7.5 as well. I think in a season where we we couldn't really rely on, on Kante, um, it, it kind of exposed Kovacic's uh, defensive um, deficiencies. I remember very well the Wolves game, the uh, game, the 2-2 game. He he was trying. He he was very bad at tracking um, midfield runners. There was one time where he tried to. I think he tracked. It was a Trinkau, and he just let him run after a while. And he ran into Rudiger, and that kind of like stopped Rudiger from getting across Trinkau. And he he got a shot off that went narrowly wide to uh, Mendy's goal, uh, to, to the left of his goal. And he's he. There's so many instances of that where he's. He just doesn't, you know, um, track the runners properly. So yeah, the kind of expose the defense defensive um, uh, side of, of our midfield because you know there wasn't Kante wasn't there and Jorginho doesn't really have the legs. But in terms of you know, the, you know, going forward, I feel like there were games where where he wasn't playing and he was on the bench, and I was like. Yeah, I don't think anything's gonna happen in this game without Kovacic. And you know, yeah, he gets seven point five for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think seven point five from me because I do agree he's been our best midfielder this season, and he's gonna be he's the most talented, and he's probably going to be a, a staple going forward because, and he isn't that old either. I think he's twenty eight or twenty seven. So. Still think there's a lot to come from Kovacic. I'm going to say 7.5 and kind of move on. Uh, Ruben. So Ruben's an interesting one because I don't think anybody expected Ruben to kind of have the impact or um, the amount of games he had this season. He had 18 starts, 22 substitute appearances. So probably one of the first 
main people who has had more substitution appearances than starts for us. He had one goal this season, um, but he's interesting because he kind of saw this mold of being in the midfield in a pivot and then a right wing back position, like on very few occasions. And I'm not gonna lie. I liked him more in the right wing back than the pivot. Um, I think I've, I've talked about this before um, that as a, and maybe that's a thing. I don't know if anybody's going to come in for Ruben this summer. And I don't think we need to loan him out because at this point in his career, I think it's straight sell or keep it for depth because he's still good depth in my opinion. And maybe if, as we left, he could be the right wing back depth for uh, Reese because depending on the opponent, I thought he did a decent enough job as a right wing back. And I really don't like him in the pivot because kind of like Kovacic or actually I would not, I would not really compare to, I compare more to Mason Mount than Kovacic uh, as far as how he would fare in a pivot, because I feel like Mason and uh, Ruben are very offensive minded compared to Kovacic. Now Kovacic is a great transitional midfielder um, in carrying the ball and distributing it. But I don't think he really looks to score or assist as much as Ruben or Mason might. So I think of Ruben and Mason as clear eights that are very good box to box and have an eye for goal. And I think Ruben was seen more as a Jorginho backup, this uh, as kind of a holding midfielder uh, when times when he's had to play in the pivot. I don't like him in that. So and I think being in those weird positions and maybe not his best positions will affect how we see his rating for the season. But um, Jude, um, and I, I also will say, I don't think Ruben should get an NA this season like Ben did. I, I do think we should give him a rating. So Jude, what are your thoughts on Ruben? Yeah, no, he's had a interesting season. I think he's been a utility player this year where he's just been back up to when players are out, because he's even played wing back at times. He's played DM, he's played eight, he's played a ten, he's played up front as well. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think a six is probably fair because he's had some good moments. Like he scored the first goal in the FA Cup semi final, but then he had some poor moments. He's defensively, he hasn't exactly been solid at times, but. Yeah, no, if an off, a reasonable offer came in for him, maybe around 20 million, I wouldn't say no to it. But again, like what you said, I don't think a loan is probably in the best interests of him or Chelsea. But yeah, no, if he's happy to stay around and play 20 30 odd games a season, then yeah, it's fine with me. Um, so. Ruben, this this would be a bit hard for me to judge because I feel I, I kind of have a little bit of sympathy for the guy. Um, he's like you rightly said, he's he's a number eight, and I don't think he's played that role consistently for an extended period since Mauricio Sarri's time. I think, um, yeah. He went to, I think, uh, Fulham and Crystal Palace, and he wasn't exactly playing as an eight, but, you know, he was trying to get back to fitness, you know, from the injury. So I can understand, you know, him just taking minutes wherever, you know, uh, it was offered to him. But I'm going forward, I would really like him to play an eight. 
for this season, I'd give him a six because I, I feel that's that's a bit harsh because he played most of the games in the pivot, which he should never play really. Um, he had better games in right wing back, as you said, but I don't want to see Ruben playing right wing back. Um, so yeah, I'll give him a six. And in terms of keeping us selling, if we go to a you know a four three three formation, I would keep him for squad depth because I, I think he's still got you know um, a, I think he's still got a lot to give, and he's what 25, 26 now. If he gets, I feel like if he gets uh, consistent games as a number eight. He will be going into his prime, you know, 27, 28. And yeah, he's wasted a lot of his years, but I think he would still have about five to six solid years, you know, left to give. So I would keep him. And I think he wants to stay as well. He doesn't mind being a backup player, uh, a squad player, uh, but only if we're playing uh, a three midfield and he can play as an eight. Otherwise, yeah, just just sell the guy. Let him go to a team where he'll play in his best position for me. Yeah, I'm going to say a six because I think when he's played, he's done decent, but he's definitely shown where his game needs some refining. But at the same point, I'm not going to talk too much about Ruben because I don't feel like this entire season he's played ever in his natural position or natural role. So I don't think we need to talk too much more about Ruben. Um, Saul. So Saul obviously was a last minute loan and it was a very odd move. I think it was supposed to seen as Jorginho depth. It didn't work out too much. He's gotten 12 games and 10 appearances and he got one goal. Now, since he is a lone player who I'm almost positive we will not sign, I'm going to ask, give you all the question. Would you rather rate him or would you rather call this an NA? Uh, I'll rate him. Yeah, I'll have to rate him. Yeah, same here. I'll rate him. Okay, Jude? Yeah, I'd give him a three. I was quite <laughs> hyped. <laughs> okay, I that's was... why you wanted to rate him. <laughs> yeah, no, when, when he signed, I was I was quite hyped about it because he was, he was amazing like three or four years ago and I actually met him uh, a while back as well. So I, I do quite like him quite a bit, but it just hasn't worked. He's some of the early games were hard to watch. I think it was a game versus Aston Villa. He was awful. I mean, the performance did get better towards the end, but it's nothing good enough. Yeah, so... <laughs> okay, so... I'll, I'll, to be honest, I'd give him a 4.5. I think three. To be honest, three... I don't have a problem with him getting three from Jude. But I'll, I'll give him a 4.5 because I think he got better with his appearances. I mean, the first two appearances were like, oh, my God, can we return this guy? Um, but, yeah, just because of the hype, he was meant to be the, you know, experienced midfielder to come in on big wages, uh, Champions League experience, and he couldn't even get a game ahead of Ruben. So that was very disappointing for me um, from him. So yeah, he 4.5 is, is what I'm going to give him. I'm going to go with 4.5 too. 
I don't think Saul really impressed me too much. I think that I, whenever I watched him, I was fairly critical. I found a lot of weaknesses in how he was playing, but at the same time, I feel like Saul would be unhappy when he looks back at the season. I don't think this was what he signed up for, really. I think he maybe had a different impression coming on loan from Atletico, which was such a weird thing because Saul was, was a very prominent Atletico Madrid player for a while before this. So he's had a really weird downward turn and then going on loan to us is such an odd move because we really don't take many people on loan. Do we like, we're never the club that gets loan players. I mean, before Saul, can you name the last person who came on loan to us? I'm going to guess Higuain. I'm not. And maybe another one though. Was it Higuain from Juventus? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Dang, that worked out so well, didn't it? They got a trophy. Oh, wait, actually, Kovacic? Or was that the oh, same yeah. season? Yeah. That was before Higuain, technically, I believe. Um, or was it? Okay. Well, no. That was the same season because Kovacic came in Sorry's first season, didn't he? On loan yeah. from Real Madrid. Yeah, and we bought him in the Lampard season. Because we had that was our our cheat code because we couldn't sign new players, but he was already registered with us. We just had to pay a fee for him. Yeah. So technically Jude is right though. It was Higuain. Nice job, Jude. Yes. Good was to you. Thanks. So yeah, uh, so I'm not gonna spend too much time on 4.5. Um, here's another one I'm gonna ask y'all rate or ooh. I feel like we should rate this one over NA, but it feels like he just hasn't seen the light of day in forever. And Callum hudson Adoy, 22 starts, six substitute appearances, three goals all season. Um, now, I do think we should rate him because he's definitely one of our own. He's And he had played a good bit at the beginning of the season, but when was the last time we saw Callum at all? Was it December, January? I honestly can't remember. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. I forgot he was in the team for. I'm not gonna lie, I, I genuinely forgot he was in the team for a while because I just hadn't seen him. Like I forgot he was an option, air quotes option. Like he was hurt. Like he, they never said he tore his Achilles. They said he hurt his Achilles. I believe it was, but they never said it was a tear or anything. Went like, damn. Hasn't it felt like it was a tear or something because it's been so long. Yeah, I thought maybe they were covering up how serious it was, maybe. But yeah, um, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next year. But yeah, it's been it's been rough, rough the last few months for him. This one's really yeah, I mean, hard for me to rate. I don't know about y'all. Sorry, Lache. Um, but yeah, but I guess let's we can try not to be as brutal as possible, considering he <laughs> hasn't played much. But y'all, yeah, um. Yeah, go ahead and like try uh, try and do it without being like super harsh because I like like I said this is borderline NA for me because he had I don't remember him getting 22 starts to be fair. That's that's a weird number to me. I I can't remember 22 starts from Callum, can y'all? I think it was when we played I think Burnley and United in the first half of the season and like Juventus. So he, he scored had- in like Juventus game, didn't he? He had 11 starts in the Premier League this season. So it must have been all at the beginning. Yeah. I, my memory yeah. doesn't stretch so far. Sorry, y'all proceed with the, with the rating. 
Um, I'd give him a 5.5. Agreed. 5.5 to 6 for me as well. I'm okay with a 5.5. And I, I don't think there's too much else we really need to say about it. And it, probably not fair because, like I said, I barely can remember um, much with Callum. Uh, the only thing I'll say is when he comes back next season, I hope he's really just like a competition at that left wing spot. So uh, Ziyech. Ziyech is an interesting one because it felt like in my memory he's had a good season when he's been playing, but he was hurt for a little while, I think. He's got 27 starts, 17 sub-appearances. He's got eight goals this season, which is pretty, pretty not bad. Um, I think if I remember correctly, the first half of the season when he played, he didn't look very good in terms of how he was playing and his work ethic. And I think the second half of the season, when he came back, he looked much better in terms of how he was operating on that right side and playing throughout the game, not just when he got a goal or assist, but throughout the entire 90, he was really working and doing well out there. Um, what do y'all think? Yeah, no, I agree. Because I remember the Super Cup final, he was excellent and he got injured. And then he um, never really got back to that form since. I think it was the Tottenham games in January, I think. He was really good. But yeah, no, he's just a bit too in inconsistent. And yeah, I feel like it's not been his best season. But maybe if we go to a back four, we could maybe do better next year. But yeah, I'll, I'll probably give him a, a six. Yeah, I agree. Um, especially because um, Tipple also mentioned uh, ZH plays better in a you know as a as a pure winger, so in a in a four century. So it's kind of harsh to rate him in the system, but I mean his season was a bit up and down. Um, so yeah, six for me as well for ZH. I'm going to agree. I'm going to go with a six. Um, and this is another one that, uh, and I didn't ask this about Callum because I, I don't really want to entertain selling him too much. Cause also I don't know what his market value would be kind of like, um, but ZH are we sell or keep ZH this summer? If an offer comes in. I'll keep him. Um, for me, again, it depends on the formation going into the next season. If we're still playing three, uh, three at the back, I, we should just let this guy go because he, he, we know he can play the inside inside ten role. So if AC Milan maybe wants to come for him, I, I would say sell him. But if we go into a a four at the back formation where we actually play wingers. I'd like to see him and Callum on the wings. Um, so, yeah. I will say this. Um, I'm more keep because I still think Ziyech has a lot of quality, but I always do think he was brought in with the intent to be a winger, not a right wing back, not like a right forward, like an awkward. I don't know. He, he, I net his position as a right forward is kind of odd. Um, I don't like the whole left forward right forward setups um i am i'm a very hard advocate for going to back to four at the back and i think i think players like pulisic um zh callum 
could operate a lot better if we bring in a Dembele or something as a right winger. He could operate really well as that. And I think we should put Mount back in the eighth position in the midfield. That's just me. But um, I guess we'll say keep. We'll say it sounds like we're more on a keep for ZH um, if we can do it forward to back. Lasha, did you have something you want to say? Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say I agree with, you know, uh, going to far at the back. I, be, I think the number of players that play out of position just to make this back three work is way too much. If we think about um, Reese and Chilwell being fullbacks naturally, and they've had to learn the role, you know, playing the wing back. Plus, if you think about Pulisic, Ziyech, Mount, Callum hudson Adoy. I mean, Havertz, I'm not really sure what his position is, but again, it just feels like, you know, he's been shoehorned into the nine position and say he's he's now our striker. Um, the number of players that are playing out of position to keep the back three formation going is way too much for me. So yeah, four at the back. Okay. So let's move on to Timo, who I have a feeling we're all going to say sell on this one. Um, but Timo played 24 starts, 13 substitute appearances, and he got 11 goals which is a fair amount, which is one of the higher-end goal scorers on the team. Um, this is this is an interesting one, but Jude, I'll just let you take it away. Yeah, no, he hasn't had the best of season. Um, his best form really came towards the end, last April, May sort of time, and there was a few shouts to keep him, but no, this should be where we sell him when he's as you can see, his stocks are higher. And, but yeah, I'm not really sure who would take him though, because if Lewandowski doesn't leave Bayern because it's faster, well, broke. Uh, Dortmund have already replaced Haaland, Adeyemi. But yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not too sure. But yeah, I'll definitely sell him. And I'll, I'll probably give him a, a five for the season. Um, six for me for the season. Um, it's, so, because he, he, I mean, he still scored eleven goals, even though he didn't play a lot of a lot of games. Um, also, I mean, he's a very tr- tricky guy to rate, to be honest. Um, I would say sell, but like Jude said, I'm not sure who's going to come in for him. Um, he's on very high wages, but if we do sell Lukaku, uh, that then changes, um, you know, the picture a little bit because if we let go. Of Timo, Lego of Lukaku, with no real striker. I mean, I'm, I've not seen any links to any real strikers uh, this summer. I think it would be quite reckless if we just let Timo go as well. Um, except we're 100% sure we're getting another striker. Um, I wouldn't mind if he stayed, but right now, as it stands, sell. I th- yeah yeah mine I think my attitude is more sell as of right now and I think I'd give him a 5.5 for the season um I don't want to spend too much time on it I just think it is a very not clear path what it, what Timo could be doing here because I think he was meant to bring a goal score here but it doesn't look like he's meant to be a number 9 for us he operates well on the on the left wing, but we really don't like our kind of left forward 
oh, as a second striker almost, but the amount of low blocks we come up against, he just doesn't work in well unless it's a team that we can work in behind. And even when he has those opportunities, he's not great one-on-one. He had had a stint where he was doing pretty well at it, but it's not enough to rely on. Yeah, I'm just going to say 5.5 and sell for Timo. But I will say I do very much like Timo as a person, which makes it harder. Um, okay, Christian Pulisic. Um, from what I've heard, there is obviously a lot of talk about because his social media accounts are moving stuff, linking him to Chelsea on there. But um, from what I've heard, tentative talks have, have said he doesn't want to leave and is planning to stay this summer. So I don't even know if I want to do really do a keeper sell. I will just to since he is technically a transfer target talk. So keeper sell and uh, what it sorry. Um, it's getting so long in the episode that I'm starting to lose uh, track of what I've been normally doing. Um, Pulisic had 21 starts, uh, 16 sub appearances, and he had eight goals in the season. Okay, Jude, go ahead with that. Yeah, uh, it's been a difficult year for him because he's, he's actually stayed fit for a lot of it. But again, it's just inconsistent. He's shown patches of his quality and then loses it the next game. And yeah, it's just... The poacher in him is almost gone because he's missed a lot of big chances recently as well. I think he missed a couple versus Real Madrid. Um, not blaming it on him, but yeah, I just feel like we still haven't seen the best of him yet. But it's good that he hasn't got injured in a while, for sure. But yeah, it'll be a big year for him next year. Um, sorry, I'm not sure if Jude gave him a rating. Did you? Oh, yeah, sorry. I'd, I'd probably give him a, a six. Yeah, I'll give him a six. Okay. Um, yeah, I'll give him a six as well. Uh, this season, the, the, the credit for me, Will, that he can get for this season is that he showed more, um, you know, fitness-wise, he, he didn't get injured a lot. Oh, I can't remember how many injuries he had, but he, he was kind of fit um, this season. But his chance, he missed some chances. Um, the FA Cup final, just, that comes readily to mind. Um, and yeah, he's not been consistent in front of goal. Um, there's so many things that's, that's kind of like dropped off from the, uh, you know, pandemic post-lockdown uh, uh, Pulisic, the one-on-one ability, it's not quite there. Again, maybe this is because he he, he now has to play as one of the um, you know inside tens. I don't know, but yeah, I'd give him one more season um, to see what he really wants to show, and also because he's still quite young, um, I think. So one more season, show what you have. If it's kind of like a make or break season for him, to be honest. Um, if he doesn't perform, yeah, maybe we should move him on, to be honest. So for Pulisic, sorry, what, what was your rating? Oh, I give him a six. Okay. I would, I would give him a six as well. Um, and I, I will always kind of advocate for keep just because he's younger. I still believe there's a lot more to come for him. And 
as a honestly biased opinion, since I am an American and he's one of the best ever players we've produced. And I do love having an American at the club just because it means a little more. Um, I won't, I won't say he needs to leave. I, I would say Timo would need to leave before he does. Um, especially with American owners coming in. I just don't think it's realistic to think Pulisic would leave. I like how much he stayed fit this season. I think, let's see, 37 appearances. I think that's most he's recorded in one season at the club so far. So I'll say I'm just going to really hope that uh, a good preseason and um, uh, hopefully he hits the ground running next season. Okay, Mount. So Mount played, obviously got player of the season, 41 appearance starts, sorry, 41 starts, 12 sub appearances, which that's 53. So he, I don't think anybody else matches that. So I believe Rudiger had the most appearances by one game over Mount. I could be wrong, but I'm almost positive. He had the most appearances over everyone else by one game. But to be fair, Rudiger had 54 starts, no sub appearances, and Mount had 53 appearances and not all of them were starts but he got 13 goals in all competitions and he's recorded uh, i think 10 or 11 assists as well um like i said uh, this chart i'm looking at doesn't have it um so player of the season we might not have too much to say about mount because with player in the season and doing so well maybe maybe we're a little all together in how it was or Maybe I could be wrong. Jude, what, what are your thoughts on Matt for the season? Yeah, no, he, he's my player of the season for me. I would probably give him a nine, nine out of ten. I think he's carried the whole attack on his back for the past year. And he, well, he's out with the international team now, but he deserves a good break next week or so. But yeah, no, 21 goals and assists in the Prem. I think double figures for both goals and assists, 11 goals, 10 assists, which is very good in the Premier League by itself. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't quite get why there's still people out there who doubt him and feel like he's the issue because he's quite clearly not the issue. But yeah, nine out of ten. Um, I'll give I'll give him an eight. Um, the reason is he. I like the fact that he improved his output, so goals and assists, which is what. A lot of people had against him last season or the criticism that they had for him last season. Um, but I feel like the, the games where he didn't score, and even in the ones where he he you know had you know an assist or scored, his, his performances could have been you know a bit better. And I, I understand, you know, he's growing, he'll probably you know get to a point where he you know, finds that balance of contributing um, as well as, uh, you know, putting up, just, you know, doing a, a lot more in, in the games. And also we have to remember that he's playing out of position. And again, my only gripe with the, you know, three at the back formation is how many players have to play out of position. So it's a bit harsh trying to judge um, Mount on his goal contribution and being our best attacker. He really doesn't have to be, but he stepped up. So yeah, for me, that's 
you know, gives him an eight from me. Um, next season, I want to see the goals and assists, you know, improving as well as the performances, you know, even when he's not scoring. So, yeah, that's that's the only um, reason I'm giving him an eight and not anything higher. I think I would give him an 8.5. He probably was my player of the season or Rudiger, one of the two. And it's hard to ignore it because the goal contributions, um, they speak for themselves. And he definitely has had his best season with us um, in terms of output. Uh, I would say I'd like a little more consistency in every game from him. Um, But he is very young and he's still raw as a player. So there's a lot more to come from him. So I'm going to give him an 8.5. Um, I won't spend too much time on Mount other than I really would like to see him roll into a eight position with a four at the back next season. I kind of dream of a Mount Rice and Gallagher, uh, Kovacic or Gallagher um, mid three. I think that would roll really well. Um, let's finish up strong here. Um, Kai Havertz. Kai Havertz is playing 35 starts, 12 sub appearances, and 14 goals in all competitions for us. Now, the one thing I'll say about Kai right now is I do believe he is the number nine who should be starting for us uh, start of the next season. I do think that's probably his best position he has here so far, and when he's in good form, he's really good. But I will say over the preseason, I would like Kai to work on his shooting some because I he I believe I saw a stat somewhere said he had the most big chances missed out of the entire team and actually a lot of other players in the Premier League. And I do th- agree with that because when I see him, it feels like he always tries to be cute with it. He tries to finesse. He tries to chip. And then I don't, I feel like I don't see many times Kai just strikes the ball. He just smacks it, just tries to like just stuff it in a corner. And so I would like to see him work on that a little more. I'd like to see a lot more. Um, I don't know. It's just trying to a brute mentality. Like he's trying to for- take more shots He's trying to take it from all different angles. He's not always trying to make it the most perfect looking shot. Um, that's just my opinion of something some I do. I still love him. I love him. I think he's doing great. Um, I think he could have scored a lot more goals. And if he's going to be the starter, starting number nine for us, not number nine is position wise, I, I think he needs to up his goal count. Jude, what do you think? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um... He's had a decent season. I don't think it's been great, but because the first half of the season he was a little bit quiet, and I think up until February time he he really stepped up and he well scored the winner to win us the Club World Cup. And yeah, he's when he's on it, he's on it. But sometimes he kind of drifts a few games a little bit. And yeah, I, I'd probably give him a six point five. I just feel like he's had a good year, and I definitely feel like it's. A step in the right direction but yeah i just need more consistency from him to give him the higher numbers um yeah i, I agree with jude I, i'll give him a seven though uh but i want to see kai uh throughout the season i you know that he has this reputation that you know he only turns up second half of the season he needs to shake that he needs to show up from you know the first game and score more goals, be you know more consistent. If he's going to find himself more as a number nine, I agree. I, th- I think I tweeted this at some point during the season. Like his touches sometimes 
Like he's almost like he's trying to caress the ball. And I think they kind of take him, you know, a bit away from goal sometimes instead of, I, I need him to be that, uh, you know, very direct uh, striker where when he's touching the ball, it takes him straight on goal. No, you know, flicks and deft touches or anything like that. Just be brutal with the ball sometimes. Um, be more consistent and yeah, show up for for you know the entire season, not just um, four months. You know, from uh, of the eight eight months in the season. So yeah, I'll give him a seven. Um, yeah, I will also give him a seven, mainly because I think there's a lot more goals he could have scored um, in this season, and I do. Th- and Kai is someone we regard as someone with such a high ceiling, but at the same time, he's still raw. And we're, and especially because he's not been in a settled position for us um, in this whole time that he's been here. He's been moved around a good bit um, when Frank was first here and then when Tuchel uh, came in. So I think it's only been this season that he's really started to see that he's going to be more of a number nine for us. Um, and I don't think we even thought that too much until we realized Ron Lukaku was not going to work out. Um, so I'm going to give him a seven, but I, I do believe that he is uh, a good opportunity this season to work on his shot. Um, and his attack, his attack positioning a little more. I think if he gets those two done, I think we could see a double digit goal season um, in the Premier League for him next season, which is a minimum of what I need to see from any number nine. Um and let's finish off with Lukaku. Now, we've gone really long, so let's try not to say too much on him. And I think it's because I do. Are we all in agreement right now that if uh, if an arrangement's able to be made, it's maybe best to move, move Lukaku on? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And he wants to go as well, so why why hold him back? Yeah, and he's kind of made that public recently, so. Um, uh, Jude, go ahead and um, finish us off with Lukaku's rating. And I, um, don't make it a three again. I have a feeling it's a three. <laughs> no, it's high on a three, but I don't even know where to start, to be honest. Because, oh, that game oh wait, sorry. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell you where to start. Uh, start off with Trey uh, not uh, screwing up again. I'm getting tired here, and it's only six o'clock, <laughs> seven o'clock. Uh, he played 29 starts, 15 substitute appearances. And he did get 15 goals this season. Um, most notably, I would say I don't think he deserves too low of a rating because his two goals on the Club World Cup did heavily contribute to us winning that, which is the first time we have won it in history. So no matter how bad the rest of it is, I think we do need to acknowledge that him making that contribution was a was really good for us. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because that game against Arsenal, we did well and scored and then got an injury, didn't he? And then came back into Villa and did really well. And then he just kind of went on a bit of a goal drought and then the whole interview. And then from there, he never really kicked on again until the Club World Cup, which he won us. Yeah, fair play. He two games. He was excellent. And then they kind of thought, oh, OK, we can build on this. But And then we had the famous seven-touch game versus Palace and just... Yeah, it's just it's not worked for multiple reasons, but I'll probably give him a 5.5. Um, if, if you tell me it's we bought him for 100 million, uh, 
it'll probably go down a little bit more. But I'll, I'll try and avoid the chance to be just judging what he did this year. And I think 5.5 is somewhat fair. Uh, yeah, he gets a five from me. Um, I know he got 15 goals, uh, but I mean, Tammy got 18 goals when he was here under Lampard. That was his um, first season for Chelsea. Um, I think, to be honest, he started well and he just pretty much just pissed the season away himself. Um, he can't blame anybody. And also he he gave up, but it was almost like he, he created a mess and he just wants to walk away from me or he walked away from me, to be honest. And that for me was the very disappointing thing about his season. Um, he didn't really try to change or rectify anything on the pitch or off it as well. <sighs> yeah, bang average, five. Um, is what I'm going to give him. Um, I'm going to give Lukaku a 5.5. And I do think a 5 is meritable. I think mine's more of a 5 to 5.5. But the reason I will give him a 5.5 is because he was the club's leading um, goal scorer um, with 15 goals, I believe. He did help us win the Club World Cup. Um, And I would say that if VAR wasn't such a screw-up, then Lukaku really would have won us the Carabao Cup too because he did score a winning goal in it that was taken away. Um, now you can also say butterfly effect and say had he scored, had VAR not intervened, you never know what would have happened after that. But all, all I say is that he had a goal that was unfairly taken away in the Carabao Cup and that could have won us a trophy. And I think if if we we're sitting here now and Lukaku had won us the Carabao Cup and the Club World Cup there it would probably still be a negative five but we would have been like you know what maybe there's some potential for him he has been able to do this for us but the fact that it didn't happen we just got to say it's yeah you know the attitude the fact that he is saying he wants to leave it's probably it's just a better parting of ways even if maybe a second season could do him well so I'm going to say a five and a half on that one. But we have made it through everyone that I've bothered to talk about. I left out a few names just because there's some people that really have not even played enough games to talk about. Um, and the, these are all the main squad players. Um, next episode, uh, I don't know if I'm going to be talking about more keys to success for next season or the Lone Army. I have a feeling I want to make it about the loan army next season and about um, seeing who should come back into the squad, who should be sold, who should be loaned again, um, play a little game of uh, loan sell promote on the channel um, with our next guest. But Ju, Lashay, thank you so much for sticking this out with us. We made this a longer episode than I thought it would be. And I think it's because we had a lot. I mean, when you talk about 23 players or so, there is so much, you're never going to make it a very short episode because you're going to spend a couple minutes on everyone talking Um about it some players deserved a little bit more about to talk to um talking about the club in the whole but it is a whole season we're talking about technically so i wouldn't be surprised if we made this a longer one um so jude a little closing thoughts tell the people anything you're up to that's uh, just fun or going on in your life and where they can find you yeah no thank you for having me on again it's been really good um talking to both of you uh yeah and um just got back from uni so we've got a lot of free time at the minute um 
So yeah, I'm just on Twitter. It's Jude Hardwick on there. And yeah, we're always looking for more people to interact with. Tasha, tell the good people where to find you, buddy. Um, well, I mean, I'm, I'm on Twitter. I'm not, I'm not that active, but I, I do tweet about games. Um, it's mainly football. Anyway, um, at Lash Pape is my Twitter handle. Um, and yeah, be nice to interact with more people on Twitter. Yeah, you both. Thanks for having me on as well. Oh, no, thank you for coming on. I appreciate it, man. First, first appearance and first of many. And I appreciate everybody who's been listening to this uh, for as long as this is probably my, potentially the longest episode I've done. Um, I need to start turning a timer on this so I can start uh, clocking it better. But yeah, give both Jew and Lashay a follow um, and start interacting with them on Twitter. Both class guys to be talking to. Um, but yeah, uh, I really appreciate everyone listening to it. Stay tuned for potentially a new episode coming out um, shortly after this one. This one may be airing tomorrow on Sunday and maybe Sunday tomorrow I'll record the next one and drop it Monday. I'm going to be trying to roll out a good bit more content before I take off to Italy for a couple of weeks in June. I'm going to go see the San Siro. I'm going to go see Roma Stadium. I'm going to go see Venezia Stadium. Ooh, it's going to be fun. I'm going to have some content rolling out from there. Um, but yeah, guys, until next time, stay true and stay blue.